Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, everybody. It's the 21st of December, 2022, and it's time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by my friend from a town that time forgot. I mean, just no one gives a fuck about Connecticut except him. He's the king of it. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. Wow. There we go. We're back at it. Thank you, Luke, for that rousing uh, introduction, Ronda Rousey, as Luke would say. Um, great to be back. I mean, we, I mean, it, look, it is the letter S. I'm just pointing that out. Yeah, we did have a fantastic studio return on Monday in many ways, Luke, including great sit down with uh, Aaron Blanchfield, which turned into some sneaky breaking news for your boys at MK. Yeah, it kind of did. We're having a nice end to the year here. We won the award, a little bit of breaking news. Uh, the Javante interview kind of took off a little bit of some other things as well. So I'm pretty happy with the way things are ending this year. So, uh, Thanks to all the MK fans who've been supporting, who saw the Aaron Blanchfield news, which, of course, is right up on CBSSports.com. You're looking for more information about it. But, BC, when is the Aaron Blanchfield Room Service Diaries going live, the full thing? Tomorrow, Thursday, 11 a.m. Uh, get ready for it. It's going to be a, a fun ride with somebody in the moment who's who's making big moves. And, and Luke, you know, it's, what's great is, I mean, look, he's fighting Talia Santos in basically a number one contenders match. Were you as taken aback as I was at... I mean, just how insanely confident Aaron Blanchfield is. And, it, and it not in like a misguided, I don't know better way, not in a I'm overly trying to show you how intense I can be way, almost just like, yeah, dude, like, who cares, man? I'm cold-blooded as shit, you know what I mean? I mean, like, she might, she's a real one, Luke. Yeah, she has a certain, to BC's point, She's not out there being like McGregor, like, we're not here to take part, we're here to take over, which was cool in its moment, but, you know, very grandiose. She's just like, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to beat the fuck out of these ladies, and uh, UFC's going to give me an opportunity to do so, I look forward to proving it. Like, very, very matter-of-fact, super matter-of-fact. So, uh, fun conversation with her, it'll be out tomorrow at 11 a.m. right here, youtube.com slash morningcombat. So, thumbs up on this video, subscribe if you haven't yet. Tune in tomorrow at 11 a.m. for a little RSD with Aaron Blanchfield. Our first ever, by the way, Money Lion Hammer of the Month. She goes into the Hall of Hammers, which is fun. We give her the award of the little uh, trophy, certainly at the end of that conversation, which was really fun as well. Um, uh, let's see. Also, uh, morningcombat at gmail.com. You want to reach the show for today's fan subs for Friday's Dead Wrong. 
all that good stuff. And don't forget, Showtime.com is the label that pays. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. You'd like it to keep it tonight. You can bounce. Plus, $3.99 a month for your first six months. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Pretty dang good deal for everyone. Also, look at all the merch that Captain Stabbin has on right here. I mean, look at him. <laughs> Spalding, get what your you foot got, off you the see? boat. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. There you go. Hey, guys, check it out. All right. I even got one on the TT right here. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm dressed to the nines in this stuff, okay? And it feels good, Luke. I mean, does it make me feel classy? No, no, but comfortable, Luke. And I think that's what, you know, this tonic called Morning Combat is all about. It just feels, I don't know, it just feels like home to me, right? You know what I mean? You know, home was <laughs> home was pretty grimy, though, but, you know, it makes me feel good. So I, where are we right now? I don't really know. And, and I'd be, uh, I'd be in error if I wasn't. Also reminding folks, February 8th, February 8th, MK to the UK. We're going to do a live morning combat at the King's Theater, You can or King's Play, excuse me, in London. Get your tickets now. There's a QR code on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And if not, uh, I think it is, uh, I had the read here for just a second ago. Let me pull it up one more time. I want to make sure I get it correct. Look, did you hear the news of who's coming to that? We haven't announced, you know, our, our special guests and all that, but like attendees in the audience of these tickets that are getting swallowed up very fast. Remember this, this is all, this is a music vet, you know, concert venue that hosts the 500 seats for this. So, uh, uh, app appy dude, appy's coming. And so are the paquettes from Canada, Luke. I mean, this is like, these are special guests. These are royalty, Luke. They're coming to see us in person. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. And so if you want to get tickets, of course you can use the QR code. If you're listening online, where you would go is, pod-live.com pod-live.com would be the place to get that done uh bc i also want folks to know about our sponsor today ag1 i mean it's the color of your hoodie it's the color of goodness it's the color of health it's the cover it's the color of just investing in your future it's athletic greens is it not luke i not only love this sponsor i use it Look, I'm using it right freaking now. What you're witnessing is a daily transformation that happens. When I wake up, I take one scoop of the magic green powder, fill it up with eight ounces of water, Luke, and I, I build a foundation that basically says, you know, I don't always get it right in the health field, but how could something that makes me feel so right be so wrong. The thing is, it's not wrong, Luke. It's the it's the vitamins that you may be missing out on, the high quality nutrients. And it's just, you know, it's it's a one-minute transaction. We're in, we're out, we feel great. I mean, what about that taste, too, Luke? Tell me, yeah, tell me, you know, tropi- share your right. passion with me. You know what I mean? Mild tropical taste, and as BC indicated, you don't have to take a million pills. You get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to start your day right. And what are you looking for? You're looking for immune system help, uh, energy help, recovery help, focus help, aging help. AG1's got you covered as a daily investment in all of those things. I mean, you know, you, we always talk about lifestyle friendly and we all live different lives and passions and journeys. But whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, gluten free, all that stuff. Hey, this is less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything while still tasting that fresh, alive feel that we talk about. And, you know, what I also like best about it, the price. You know what you're doing for three bucks a day already with these bad vices and habits of watermelon flavor this. You know, you know the direction I'm going. Even you cold brew heads out there. Less than that to feel this good. Look, worry free micro habit that 
just just builds into some big benefits in the long run. All right. Do you feel what I'm feeling about this? Am I alone on this? I mean, I couldn't no, be alone, defi- right? You're definitely not alone. Athletic Greens has over seven thousand five star reviews and is trusted by, of course, leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So here's what you're going to do right now: time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. By the way, and it's out there right now, folks. Especially heading into the flu and cold season, every kid I know is just boogerishes right now. It's just yeah. one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements. Look out for your health. Pretty simple, folks. Yeah. I mean, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. There it is. Okay, Luke, I put those vitamin C drops in my AG. So it's it's not even AG1 anymore. It's like AG1.5. It's That's fantastic. Right. And what BC failed to indicate but is also part of the verbatim read is that Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. With your first purchase, but as he indicated, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Look, you ever play volleyball before? What I did was I, I, you know, it was like a dig or a bump. You know, I said it to you. Yeah, I know. You're not supposed to do that, though, because we're not playing volleyball. <laughs> I mean, is volleyball lame for men? Is that what you're saying, Luke? Uh, no, volleyball is cool, but it's got nothing to do with AG1 reads. You know what I'm saying? All right, BC, let's get to topic number one here if we can. Now, we know there's not – I think the UFC is not going to have a show, like, from the end of its last one to the beginning of its next one for, like, a month. It's a while. Of course, there will be Bellator for New Year's Eve, so it's not like that's done. Again, Cage Warriors is going to have a show. There's some stuff, but the big – the vast majority of the overall MMA calendar has come to a close. That seems pretty fair. So what we're going to do today is we are going to get to some headlines – the Paulo Costa and Rob Whitaker fight falling through, sort of. We're going to talk about that. Plus, I didn't see shit about this on any of the MMA websites, but it's big news in terms of the Ali Act. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But for first things first, BC, let's talk about it. We have Bellator, UFC, and boxing. We're going to talk about the five fights we'd each like to see be made in those two MMA organizations, and then boxing overall. BC, we start as we customarily do with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So five fights that you want to do. Now, do you want to do all five of yours first and then mine? Or no, I think we should five, alternate. Five, four, four, then that yeah, yeah, the latter, Luke, okay? Here we go. All right, go. my friend, give me your number five, please. Look, I could UFC, just as easily... Five fights to make, 2023. I could just as easily say here, Hamzat Chemaev versus a world champion or Hamzat Chemaev versus potentially the winner of Edwards and Usman three. But what I really want here is Hamzat Chemaev to fight for the welterweight title and really fight against Kamaru Usman because of the... Legacy he had built before that upset loss to Edwards and was pound for pound king. And, you know, style wise, damn, do you want to see that? This pick is more, of course, about finding out as quickly as we can how great Chemayev really is and how great he could potentially be. But of the available guys in that welterweight title mix, I'm still I'm still standing here, Luke, for uh, for the idea of Hamzad and Kamaru and what that looks like. That'd be a hell of a fight for next year. Uh, sign me up. Gun to your head. Who wins? Like if you actually had to make a pick. You know, it's one of those where, like, Usman, does Usman have to be the slight betting favorite, or do you believe Sharps will be like, nah, man, Hamzat's that train coming, get on board, here's, you know, minus 150 Hamzat Shemaev. I think Kamara would be an ever-so-slight favorite, at least to open the betting line. I mean, I want to, I want to, it, it's tough, because, because look, didn't Kamaru do everything he had to for four and a half rounds to Edwards, and didn't look old, and didn't look dominated or anything, right? I mean, that was a strong, solid performance, and then that four happened. Four and a half rounds, he didn't lose till the last minute of the last round, so four four rounds and 90% of the last one, 80% yeah. of the last one. Yeah, okay, so four and three quarters, look, four and nine tenths there, Um 
And by the way, some people think I'm only like, you know, nine, you know, I'm one tenth Lithuanian. Look, I may be adopted by the Welsh, but I'm pure split here on Lithuania and French Canadian, just so you're sure. Okay. Just checking in on that. But ultimately, Luke, um, I think Hamzat can win this. Uh, but it's, it's such a great fight if Usman comes back, wins the title. We're asking a lot of him. Hopefully he's healthy, all that. But damn, th- this is the sexiest find out right now fight for me involving Chimaev, who I think at the moment, I have the biggest urge to want to see active and making big leaps to find out how great they are. Like, look, if you could pick one fight, you might be picking Shavkat Rachmanov for this specific uh, niche thing I brought up. But, I, you know, if you could find out right now how good somebody is, put Hamzat in that chair. I'm ready to see it. All right, fair enough. For my number five, different division, but something we've talked about previously. I was against this guy just returning and going right to Alexander Volkanovsky. I thought there was some proving that had to get done. Boy, what better way to make it done? Uh, what better way to find out where someone is, especially with their championship pedigree that they have, than putting them into this kind of fight? I want to see Henry Cejudo versus Aljamain Sterling. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, obviously. We'll have to see when Sterling returns and what they do and blah, blah, blah. There's been, of course, some indication that the UFC might make this. I really want to see this. I think Cejudo has been obviously, you know, they call him Triple C and um, without, excuse me, with good reason, but he's been gone for a little while. I don't know exactly what his level would be at. However, you know, no one took that belt from him, right? Uh, No one made him give up the belt by virtue of beating him in the cage. So what I would like to see is him returning to a bantamweight title shot, if that's a thing that they can do. And then from there, we can figure out, does he, is he still the best bantamweight? Does he deserve to go to featherweight? Because I'll tell you, if he goes in there and blows the doors off Aljamain Sterling, a fight with Volkanovski to me then, after that part, makes a whole lot of sense. But but by itself, Cejudo with the wrestling pedigree that he has, the ability to to athletically, I think, um, be in play, I, I would say match Sterling in a lot of different departments. Not the same skills, but he's got great great athletic ability through all the different phases of the fight. I, I love that fight. I love how Cejudo's leg kicks could change the dynamic of the sport or the the, the fight itself. What about you, BC? Are you interested in this fight at all or not? Absolutely. Uh, seeing seeing Cejudo come back, I want it to be really big. T- to me, that's that's must see TV am- among you know the the larger options. Whether it's you know big celebrity fight or or hardcore event like an Islam versus Volkanovski, like just the idea of Cejudo against anybody, I'm I'm fired up for. But especially like, I mean. <sighs> Damn, like we're probably going to continue to overlook or disrespect or whatever Aljo for things that aren't his fault. And obviously that whole TJ debacle has nothing to do with Aljo. But I feel like a lot of us are going to favor Cejudo and, you know, give him the chance to to show us that Cage Rust isn't a thing and do one of these crazy GSP type moves. Because, Luke, if Cejudo comes back and wins this, I don't even know what we start to do with him legacy wise. Right. Like, I mean, he's already pretty damn secure in terms of like you know, accomplishments in a, in a, not only a small window in that run he had before walking away from the sport, but then you take into account the Olympic gold medal. And, you know, when he makes these larger claims of being the greatest, like it's easy to not take that serious because of his shtick, but are you prepared to like fully grasp and understand where this guy fits in historically? If he does this, it just comes, walks back in and wins the championship, Luke. Yeah. I mean, it would be out. It would be bonkers. It'd be completely bonkers. It'd be out of control and I'm here for it. I'm here yeah. for it. And if he loses, <laughs> then you find you then you get, you know, he has to figure out what he's going to do from there. But if he wins, ooh, the amount of things that that supercharges is too much to pass up for me. Yeah. I'm with you. Go ahead, my friend. Number 4. Number 4. Look, uh the 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 division that that was everything to us, you know, up until recently when Bantamweight got even better was lightweight. And even though our heroes at lightweight are aging, it's keeping alive the idea that this era of action fighters in and around lightweight 
is just an all-time great one, not just because a lot of these guys are former champions, interim champions, title challengers. Uh, they're also, like, you know, pound-for-pound ranked guys at times when they've made runs, too. They're not just, uh, you know, all action heroes here. But when it talks about what fights are left to be made, I mean, we just had Chandler versus Poirier, and it was uh, amazing. It was probably better than it should have been. And uh, how about Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje Part 2 for next year? I don't know wow. exactly if their lanes are going to collide based on where they are, but obviously if the promotion did this, they could you know, do no wrong on the merits of the first fight alone or on the merits of just their reputations. But Luke, what's helping this action era stay so bountiful is the fact that these guys are getting old in their own, you know, respective ways. And that's making these fights even crazier. Uh, the 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 crazy you know the the real the real man inside of you hears me say Poirier Gaethje too and I know you're feeling something deep inside Luke I know it right um I wouldn't put this as like a must for me but I would never ever ever poo poo it I would in no way be unhappy with it I would in no way have a single negative thing to say about it but I just would be lying if I said that that's like a thing that I of all the fights I would want to see in 2023 that's at the top of, or near the top of the list not well, really fun little I, thing or actually more than that great thing. If they made it, but not my favorite by any stretch. I tried to, you know, get a good mix, obviously, of, you know, serious title, historical implication fights, but just potentially marquee fights I want to see. And I guess the reason why I love this more than you would is I think their first fight might be my favorite of this era that I'm talking about. I mean, there's there's many children we love in this family, right? Whether it's Gaethje versus Michael Johnson or, you know, anything involving Chandler. I mean, God, Poirier's got a million amazing fights. The Holloway Poirier fight was incredible. But I don't know. I just love that first one, dude. I mean, Poirier had to walk, not just walk through hell. He had to like set up camp and and sleep overnight in the midst of hell to stop that monster that was Gaethje at that point. Like, damn, that was high theater. It's probably going to be the same thing all over again, right? I mean, it's going to you know it they're going to bang. It would not suck. It would not bang. suck. Yeah, uh, I would not speak badly about a fight like that at all. But it, yeah, but definitely, I'm on a bit of a different page. You're, you know, number- it sounds like it sounds like you're describing like an aging adult film star. You're like. You know, not not at her best anymore. But I'm I'm not going to sit here and you know and and be upset at this. I mean, I wouldn't say that that's the best comparison, but that might work depending. I got on how that feeling from is. you. Yeah, like you're trying to protect her, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but after doing you know five years on the bang bus, it'll wear you out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, BC, I'm going to go a bit of a different one, and this one, the first. I don't, okay, here's how opposite my choice is. Yours is like that one you picked, great fight, all action affair, reliably all action affair. You just know it's going to be. This one would not necessarily be that, but it would have something that that fight didn't, which would be historical significance. I'm going to say Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko three. That's where I'm going to go with this one. And again, the first, well, the first fight was actually not bad. It was only three rounds and it turned late, but not enough for Shevchenko. Second one wasn't great and very, very, very close. Don't know exactly what the third one would look like. I think Amanda is not at her peak anymore, but even if she's off peak, she's obviously still very, very good. I think Shevchenko is probably at the peak or someplace around that, give or take. Uh, so to me, this is the the most... Uh, this is probably Shevchenko's best chance, actually, of the three because the first one was only three rounds, this one's five. But I really think that they have to make it. I mean, we, we've talked about it. At women's flyweight, there is a future there. It's not quite here yet, but it's coming down the coming down the pike. Amanda Nunes doesn't really have a, a more interesting matchup. I mean, I guess you could do the third fight with, with Juliana Pena, which would not be the end of the world, but this is the one. 
These are the two best of their era. They fought yeah. before. It remains somewhat undecided, BC. I'd like, even though even though Amanda won twice, it's still close. I'd like to see them fight a third time. And you know, I love narratives. And when Amanda fought Cyborg, that was a legitimate narrative of we have the potential to hand over the crown of you know greatest of all time. Whether people care about that or not, or think it's something that you can just transfer, you know, that easily, but. You know, you could play this one up as something similar to that because of how close Shevchenko was in that rematch. But what's interesting is that it's still so viable right now, and it went through some waves of potential, you know, uh, volatility there when you consider, like, after Andrade got destroyed by Shevchenko, I'm thinking, man, maybe Valentino not just wins the third one, but, like, maybe everyone's going to favor her. But And then Nunes gets, you know, stopped by, by Juliana, and you're like, man, like... And then Valentina looks human against Tyler Santos, and you remember what somebody with legit size and skill can, you know, can do to pose a challenge to her. That I don't know. I think I'm back on like, yeah, I'd love it for history. I hope they both get that chance. But um, Amanda might just always have this, Luke. You know, it might be a Adesanya Poetan thing. Who who knows? Who knows? It could. That, and in which you know, in which case, God bless her. Like, made the best person win. I just yeah. think one more time would be really scratch an itch. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Luke, my number three is my final dip into more emotional event. Keep me happy for one night, UFC. And I think we we have to, you know, be real that when Connor comes back next year in any form against any level of opponent, it'll be one of the biggest events per year uh, for the year. And it will feel like, you know, the cowboy one did, you know, where it's just like, man, it's, it feels like it's been a long time. Um, it does feel like it's been a long time because Connor never leaves the news cycle yet hasn't fought in a hell of a long time. So whether you think it could end up sneaky being Diaz three or anyone from RDA to Tony Ferguson, if I ask myself entertainment wise, What's the best balance of giving somebody to Connor that he potentially could beat based on the styles and the size and all that, but is not giving him any kind of easy way out? It's Connor McGregor versus Michael Chandler, Luke. And we did seem to get a little look into Dana's heart and realize that when he was asked that question, which he thinks he was misinterpreted and misquoted. And he was just saying, look, I, if you ask me today for Connor, I'd love this fight, but we don't have plans for it. I think we all know the UFC would love this fight. So, um, um, I'm just going to, this is like, this is like me saying, Hey Luke, you ever go to McDonald's? It's pretty damn good. Right. I mean, this is a McDonald's type fight. It's easy for the company to make this if the, if the planets align, but it's also going to be freaking incredible to watch. Right. I mean, so yeah, dude, you, you can, you can call, you know, I just Walmarted you Luke, but you know, there's a couple products at Walmart that are okay. Right. Hey, listen, I'm not above going to Walmart. I just, uh, I just don't like the fist fights in the aisles. Um, Again, or that naked a, guy in the freezer at the, uh, at the, uh, yeah. Well, I'm trying to find, no, naked lady in the freezer, which I'm trying to find that place when I go to the PR. Uh, I think that was a be, man in there, Luke. Well, I couldn't tell because I, I, I couldn't see very clearly from the feet. It was a woman or a man. It was a, it, if was, it was a man. It was then, a nude you know, man. Place to the ground, but <laughs> yeah, it was a man. I was wondering why in the moment you were just supporting that. I didn't know if you just thought, hey, uh, you know, every re like there's tenants, right? You know, you learn that from the liver king. Sometimes vision, a man just got to be a man. My vision is trash these Luke, days i mean sometimes a man's just got to be a man in public right that's just what that's what that is you know no. yeah i mean listen when you're out there dropping trow in the olive garden like you do and you're going to town on yourself having a little fun there all right well <laughs> at the very least i couldn't chandler, even finish the joke chandler versus connor is um i mean you're not going to turn it down luke thomas this is like one of like your oh, favorite no, marvel no, no, movies no, no. spitting out unnecessary sequels but you're like you know what Thor Love and Thunder is probably going to be pretty awesome, so I'm going to go with my son, despite what my co-host says. You know, Luke, we've seen that. Yeah, I mean, that. The, the problem is I'm right about that movie, and it fucking sucks, although 
It doesn't suck nearly as much as Black Adam, which is the worst movie potentially ever made. Um, this one would be great. Now, BC, answer me honestly. And if the answer is probably no, but would your enthusiasm for this fight change in any direction if it was 155 versus 170? Uh, you know, you 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 kind of already know that it's probably going to be 170, right? Because Connor's done this before with the Cerrone one, getting to move that one up a you know weight class last minute, and he's you know he's got all the control in this you know star wise in terms of like a side still. So yeah, dude, um, go well. It's gonna it's gonna be a Walter. What? There's no unless there's a interim title at stake. Connor's not signing on for 155 here. Luke, everything gives him the advantage potentially, right? And going up and trying to use that size. Plus, Connor weighs like 265, Luke, okay? I thought you were going to ask me, does my opinion on this, you know, de- uh, depend on whether I watch uh, the uh, the Roadhouse remake and think it's good? I mean, is there any chance this movie's going to be good, Luke? Or is this going to be no, one of those regrettable ones? No, no. Almost no chance. But okay. doesn't right. mean I won't watch it, but it uh, probably is going to be terrible. All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. For me, BC, I'm going to go a slightly different direction. I don't know if this is on your list or not, but I'm going to give it to you for mine. For one of the, my number three fight that I want to see in 2023 in the UFC, Robert Whitaker versus Alex Pereira. I really want to see this. I, I'd yeah. be very curious to see because we you might know, you might think offhand Robert's going to win. And by the way, I would favor him to win. But I actually feel like getting him back into the title mix almost reintroduces a certain level of very fun chaos. I mean, folks don't remember this because they've, unless they were around at the time, obviously. But, you know, back when light heavyweight was the marquee division, not merely in the UFC, but in all of MMA, because at the time the UFC had like your your Randys and your Chucks and your Titos and to an extent Vitor Belfort, at that time, Pride had Vanderlei and Rampage and Shogun and many others as well. Dan Henderson for a time, although he obviously went over to UFC. But at that, and he was, of course, in two different weight classes. But the point being is there was just so much parody at, at 205, and there were guys who did better than others. But the title did change hands fairly often. It made these iconic fights, and it made these iconic you know, almost relationships between the fighters. I, I really believe that, like, you know, with this cost of fight falling through, and we'll see if the UFC tries to rebook it or what happens there. But if they don't, I think Robert Whitaker should get next on whoever, uh, if they do the Izzy trilogy, or, yeah, well, the, the well, the, sorry, the, the fourth fight, the quadrilogy, with the second, the rematch in MMA. If they do that, then I think Whitaker should get the winner, and then let's see what happens there. By the way, Pereira might knock him out. I mean, the guy's just such an insanely dangerous fighter, but... If Robert Whitaker wins, I think it it just turns the division on its head again. It does create fresh matchups. It forces another fight with Izzy potentially if that if that happens. Although if he loses to Pereira, then then he's kind of out, and that again it sort of cycles it through. It just it just would be interesting for me to see how it would go, and then what it would do to the division, what it would do to his legacy, and how it would reshuffle things in the middle there. I would love to see this contest. Yeah, it, it has it has a lot of fascinating elements to it. It makes it like a you know, like a coming attraction movie I want to see, you know, uh, like as much as you would favor skill-wise Whitaker in many ways, I mean, that's a, that's a matchup that I like for him. Her, you know, Pereira has some of those, you know, I mean, he's got that sick power, but he, dude, he showed a lot in that Izzy fight, Luke. He really did. You know what I mean? Like, it's just easy to quickly say it and then move on, but like, he showed a lot of poise in that. No, he showed a tremendous amount of poise and patience. And remember, he got rattled and I think, he, didn't he get rocked in the first round? Yeah, he was almost stopped. If that was like five more seconds, he's probably stopped. Exactly. Him. Like, dude, Izzy, Izzy was went up 3-1 on that. He got he got put in some bad spots and then kept his composure 
did what he had to do to hang on in bad spots, and then closed the show in the fifth. I mean, that's just championship material shit from like in every possible way. Still, Robert Whitaker is a motherfucker, man. Yeah. He's a different animal a all by legend. himself. I would love to see him back, put in a position to like re, you know, to to just change things up again. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. All right, Luke, I'm down to number two here, which is it's got to be massive fights. There's no bigger fight that okay, even if you debate how big the ceiling actually is commercially, the combination of must see history on the line. So many other elements with contracts and layoffs. How about Francis Ngannou versus John Jones for the heavyweight championship? I mean, this this has this could be incredible theater. There are things that have to happen first. Most importantly, the company coming to terms with Ngannou and Ngannou getting whatever again whatever piece of the chunk that he's seeking from money to freedom to you know. I mean, he earned it. He went through hell with the knee and all that. He earned this, but. It would be hard to walk in the other direction away from a John Jones fight right now. I mean, maybe that maybe that's not in the thought process at all for Ngannou. Maybe it is more about like I went, you know, if I got this far, I'm already, I'm almost out of Shawshank. I'm almost at the beach, right? I'm Andy Dufresne here. But dude, you can fight John Jones like maybe even in a stadium, dude. This this fight, I got, we got to see it. I it, for so many reasons, but even just for the reason of like it's so big, make it right now. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's bang, Tui. Uh, I agree with that. I, ha- it's, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of be giving it away because one of my next two fights is also that fight. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what to ask on top of it, except we could probably save it. But John Jones, I, I would think, versus, I won't say anyone in the top five. I think that's a little bit, a bit of a stretch. But there's a solid two, maybe even three fights that you could put John Jones in any of them, and any of those would be must-see. That's sort of the level of... I mean, again, when he was doing his thing and... On top of the game, I, it was effortless for him. Truly, truly effortless. And I, he, he broke all the rules. We talked about this with Chael Sonnen on RSD. He broke all the rules about all the things. You're, not, I don't mean like getting in trouble, but I mean, you know, not training very much between camps, not taking nutrition seriously in a way that he should have. In certain ways, not even taking training seriously in a way that he should have. And still going out there and winning world titles and defending them against, yeah, aging guys in that division, but still very, very powerful ones. And then the next generation came, and they couldn't do shit to him either. I mean, it's remarkable what he was able to achieve, but this is a different can of worms. Um, this is a different scenario. This is uh, Everything about it is, is rightfully, uh, I think, uh, should be viewed as a fresh and different and not the continuation of the old challenge, but a new one. Yeah. And so for that reason, I'm curious to see how it goes. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. My number two, BC. This one is a bit of a no-brainer, really. Uh, you could go a lot of different directions with either of these guys. But I say, let's have the irresistible force meet the immovable object. Hamza Shemaya versus Shavkat Rachmanov. I Whoa. mean, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. You're what breaking doing? glass in case of emergency. You're like, let's just eat it. Dessert first, kids. We're eating our dessert right now. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, dude, how, what are we doing in 2023 if that fight is not made? I just, it's like, it doesn't have to be made right away. You know, you can, you can put it off a little bit. But fucking, you're talking about two guys that have taken the sport by storm in very, very different ways. One much more loudly and prominently. But old Shavkat just sneaking up on everyone like a ninja, slicing the throat, dumping them as they head down the path to to meet the final boss. I mean, that is really who he is. He is an absolute assassin, unflappable, one of the most skilled guys in the UFC, devastating finisher, well-rounded, doesn't get hit a lot. I mean, we're just talking about as remarkable a contender as they come. And Chemaev, what else can I say about the guy? 
absolutely bulldozing, basically, except Gilbert Burns, everyone in his way. But that fight was, you know, given to him very quickly. His stats in terms of blanking his opposition are something unheard of in the amount of times he's been able to do it. I mean, I could go on and on about both guys. And also, BC, this, it would almost be like, dude, we've been putting like these Dagestani, Chechen, Kazakh hammers against Brazilians or overmatched Americans or some British guy. Fuck that. Put the hammers against the hammers. That's what I want to see. I want to see the two people uh, who are worthy of lifting Thor's hammer collide against one another to see what happens there. I think it would be an absolutely electric atmosphere, an electric fight, unpredictable in many ways, to be quite honest. I really don't know what would happen there, to be honest with you. But I would love to find out. Yeah, I mean, look, Chimaya versus anybody is a big part of this, but you can go a couple different ways with that, you know, and sticking Rachmanov in that just changes the equation and makes it, yeah, yeah, damn. All right, that's straight from your heart, that number two, Luke. You know it is. You know it is. Then you would probably expect nothing less than what I'm about to offer for number one. Not only is it straight from my heart, not only do I think the fight would be really good theater, but you talk about the history and the other stuff on top. Maybe it's only history to me, but I'll just come out with it, Luke. Zhang Weili versus Rose Namajunas, part three. You got to put behind you Rose's performance against Carla. It's inexcusable. She she lost the title, all right? She paid the price. But this might be the fight. That, look, the thing about saying who's the greatest strawweight of all time, right? It's such a young division still. It launched December of 2014 with the first title bout. Um, which was my first UFC live show, Luke. So maybe that's when I caught the bug. All right, but here's the deal. Ultimately, these might these might be the two best. Joanna has that stretch of title defenses that they haven't equaled, but each of them beat Joanna twice, still within her prime. You know what I mean? Or when she at least was in her twilight, but tough as nails in that twilight. Uh, I just want to see what the end of this book looks like. You know, how does the movie end? For me, for my fandom. I think the winner of this can say that, and I think you mix a couple factors that of the unknowns that make it great. The fact that Zhang Weili seems to be better now, certainly than she was heading into that first one as a more complete fighter. The second one was close in some interesting ways, and can Rose just put this disaster behind her like she's consistently done in this weird pattern of like every three fights? Um, I'm tuning in for it, Luke. Two of the best pound for pound uh, right now and and ever, really. I mean, look. Uh, what, what do you what what's the devil's advocate response to negative for this just because rose stunk up the joint last time is that the only reason that could be one the other one is we keep making a lot of the same fights at the top of this division so it's not to say that like that's a bad fight i don't i don't know how you could make the argument that that's a bad fight it's not but you could make the argument that given that we've seen this matchup a bunch of times or several times and that all the other permutations of Carla being in there, and then, of course, Ioana, who's not in the sport anymore, but, you know, all, we've done these X versus Y versus Z matchups, these three characters, So, and then Andrade is a part of that, too. Maybe some fresh blood would be a little bit better for the division. I think you could make that argument, but that wouldn't really tell you whether or not that's a good fight, because that's a great fight, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but if, if this had to happen next, you... You you would be entertained, Luke Thomas. I know you. Yeah, I know what gets yeah, you. I don't know if I want to see it next, but I wouldn't be mad at it if that makes sense. I I yeah, I don't love it quite like you love it, but I I could not poo poo it. I mean, look, you you can't choose who you love. It just injects you. Yeah. Huh? Do you love me? <laughs> Over Zoom, yes, Luke. I mean, you get very very hands on in person. I'm like, is that Mike Bone again? Is that you? No. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yes, you got my Zoom love. All right, yeah. uh, my number one BC, we kind of already telegraphed it, but I'll just get right to it. John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. I yeah. think this is this is the one. This is the key fight that has to get made. I don't know if it will. You know, John's been talking about moving up to this weight class for a fucking decade without doing it. For a long time, by the way, the fight to make was John Jones versus Cain Velasquez. Like, that was the big one, but it, they never materialized. It never happened for a lot of different reasons. By the way, in that particular case, it had not much to do with John, but... Um, I'm just pointing out we haven't got it. We've never been there. Now we get a chance. Now, will Francis resign? I guess we'll have to find out. Will John actually come through and fight? I guess we'll have to find out. But let's assume that that's on the table. This is this is the one to make. You have the very best light heavyweight of all time without contest, arguably the best fighter of all time, still with some measure of athletic ability, not too old for the weight class, right? Not too old for the weight class moving up to then get a belt in another weight class. He was a product of the era where most title defenses in a singular weight class was the most impressive thing. I still think it is the most impressive thing. But this new era, which he still kind of is part of, we're now getting multiple belts in multiple different weight classes is a little bit more of a premium. He wants to come back and see if he can do that. He has taken all this time to make that happen. Has still, by the way, and it's been reported, of course, numerous continuous issues outside of the cage so many questions on both sides. And by the way, can Francis get it done and blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, I don't need to sell this fight. It's the one to make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to have this number one, Luke. It's, it's, it's a, it feels like a, an all timer in a lot of ways. It also could just, it could be entertain. I mean, like it could be a, a very dramatic and have uh I mean, John's a dog, Luke, you know, say, say what you will. John's a dog. I know one punch could end it at any time, but this could be some theater, dude. You you know, the the will, the will's going to play a part, even though it's such a large style contrast, potentially, of John trying to be slick against the the one-shot crushing power. But, dude, Francis is, I mean, he's added stuff to his game at a late, I mean, if you want to say late point because of his age, but really probably on time for his development because he got into this game with, like, you know, no background, in, in, you know, and not too short later was, was in it. So um, it's wild, Luke. This, All right, let's good. go to Bellator. Let's go to Bellator. Top five, BC. We'll do the same exercise. Top fights we want to see. Top five fights, excuse me. We would like to see in 2023 in Bellator. BC, give me your number five. Yeah, I feel almost shameless putting a potential gimmick fight on here when Bellator has so many relevant fights, you know, that that real fans know and, and need to see uh, style-wise and all that. But it's hard for me not to ask for something when there's a chance. You know, oh, you're going to put Spider-Man and Batman in the same movie? You have a chance to do Fedor Emelianenko versus Anderson Silva, provided Fedor comes out okay, win or lose against Ryan Bader, and maybe there's a CBS element to it or a pay-per-view element or just the, uh, you know, it's, we did this before with Dan Hendo versus Fedor, and guess what? It was awesome. Um, I know different time. I can't believe Fedor's still here. I don't even know if Anderson still wants to do this anymore, but if you're going to go into the old playbook and and play, uh, you know, an old favorite, you could do a lot worse than this exact matchup right here. That's going to wake a lot of people up who used to watch and and come back in again for one night. Uh, I, I this is my only gimmick on the list, Luke, but I, I like it. I like it. Okay, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't I mean, hide Silva from that. Has, didn't Silva say he's not doing MMA anymore? Yeah, I think he. You know, they'd have to give him enough money to to change that, right? Probably. Right? Oh yeah, right. I mean, he'd have to go back and reconsider, which they might for Fedor. You know, they might for Fedor. Um, but they're gonna have to open up the purse strings to get old Silva in there. Yeah, I don't. I love. Actually, I thought this is the fight they should have made instead of the Bader one. To be honest with you, um, but uh, that one's already going to be happening on uh, February fourth. Of course, that's for the title, so it's a different fight, right? Because Bader mm-hmm. has it. So, and it's a rematch, so that one has some stakes in a different way. But yeah, I would love to see, love to see this fight. 
uh, if they could make it. All right, for my number five, BC, I mean, I don't know if I, like, how do I say this? I wanted to make sure that we didn't, I didn't completely sleep on women's MMA. Chris Cyborg, I don't know if she's going to get that Kayla Harrison fight. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. But I really respect the career she's put together at this point. I really respect what she's done in terms of, like, crafting her own vision for herself. Didn't get a lot of attention, but she did fight on that Bud Crawford card more, more recently. She got a nice win. She got a nice win in boxing in Brazil. Uh, she's going to come back, and she needs to fight a top contender. BC, I'll tell you what. I'd like to see what happens between Chris Cyborg and Kat Zingano. They've been telegraphing this contest for a while. It hasn't happened yet. Um, Kat Zingano training with Justin Flores, who is the, the judo coach of Ronda Rousey, for a while, Patty Pimblett, but a lot of fighters like uh, Angela Hill and many others. He's just a phenomenal coach. He's been working with her. She looks tremendous in the training room from what I've seen from the footage he's posted. I think Chris Cyborg could you know, be- benefit from having another name on her resume like this if she could get it. Um, and if you're looking at like what the bigger fights are that Bellator can make, I'd actually argue this is up there with it. Um, so I'd like to see Chris Cyborg defend against a known name, see what it looks like. Kat Zingano is certainly longer in the tooth. If you're going to do it, now is the time. Let's make this fight. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, certainly. Uh, the, and there is some weird elements to it that are cool, and they've both been around a long time and, you know, are everything from pioneers to legends in terms of, uh, I mean, like, it's not easy also, Luke, to stay relevant this long. And, you know, is Kat as explosive now as she seemed to be in the big Misha Tate win, her breakthrough uh, comeback win there? No. Um, but, you know, right style, right matchup, right night. I mean, uh, this, this, this is very interesting, but I'd bite in on that. Uh, number four for me, Luke, you've heard me gush a little bit about this before, but you know, Vadim Nemkov might be the best light heavyweight in the world. So I say, okay, what are his options for 2023? That's going to get me really pumped up. Uh, he's, he's, he's fought everybody else and he's beat him. Right. Uh, obviously Corey Anderson could potentially get a, a third dance one day based on what we've seen in the past. Who knows? How about Gegard Mousasi, though, before he one day hangs it up on his legendary run? He just lost his middleweight title, and it was a lot wider than we expected, but he's, you know, a light heavyweight uh, through and through, just the same as his middleweight run. There's there's theater in this to me, and I think it's another big name Vadim Nemkov could add on as he continues to to kind of somewhat quietly, when you look at the attention people get on the global scale, continue to just be great. Um, he could do worse than 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 chasing this one. So, I mean, I don't, do you like this fight for Gegard? Could he reinvent himself one more time, Luke? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't like this fight for him as much as you do. Yeah. All right. All right. I think Nemkov would beat him brutally. Yeah. Uh, brut- I mean, brutally now, Luke, really? Is this yeah, brutally? yeah, yes, yes. I think Nimgaard would handle him, yeah. You're just sore about that Vanderford prediction, all right? Uh, I mean, I'm not, uh, listen. He let you I down. Listening, I, don't, I don't recommend listening to any of my predictions, but uh, that one blew up in my face, that's fine. But the Evelyn one didn't, and uh, it's because, listen, dude, Musasi has had an amazing career. I mean, truly, the, you just look at how long he's been doing it and how many organizations and the kinds of achievements he's racked up, it's remarkable. But he's older now. He's older, and it's, he's not the same guy that he once was. So if this was like five or six years ago, I would definitely have a different view of it. Like if you could get today's Nemkov versus you know the guy who beat Chris Weidman in UFC, the one who came over here or whatever, um, yeah, that to me completely changes the equation. But the, you know, Father Time's undefeated. He's undefeated, and I just don't know if this is the right time for that fight. So suck it, BC. Yeah, All right. I mean, for, my number, for my number four on this one, how about this? We didn't get a lot of clarity in his last fight because his shoulder just uh, completely blew up like someone put a grenade in it. But he's massively improved. He has time for a step up. And 
I'd be curious to see how this one goes. How about Aaron Pico versus Adam Boric too? Right? The rematch there a little bit. Boric got the first one of these somewhat handily, I would actually argue. But Pico, it's it's. I'm not saying it's now or never, but it's time. It's time for a step up. And Boric had his chance against Pitbull, and it didn't go well. Of course, he had an amazing fight against Logan Storley. We know that he is, you know, certainly capable of amazing uh, feats. I think Pico is ready for something big. He needs a big fight in 2023. He's been quietly rebuilding, and there's not a single thing wrong with that. I feel like his team and Brandon Gibson, they've done the right thing, Bellator too, in slowly rebuilding him. But I feel like we've turned that corner a little bit. Didn't get the clarity we wanted against Jeremy Kennedy because of his shoulder, but I think it's time. BC, where are you on a Pico Boric 2 rematch? Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, if we're saying it from the real dream standpoint of the best fights you can make, I mean, him against Patricio is Pico versus Patricio for me is, is probably one I'd put higher than this. But the storyline angle of how, you know, how that Pico fell apart in their first matchup and where they're both at right now. I mean, Boric versus Pico is a great fight as well. Uh, I just I, I do wonder I mean, I hope the shoulder's okay. You know what I mean? I mean, it got his shoulder got dillashawed pretty bad there, Luke. I hope I hope it's okay. But yeah. But to your point of like, is he ready now for a really hard fight? Yeah, they they took the long road rather than the short fix, and it seemed to have worked. Sh- shoulder provided that it's okay back, then you know we're back to normal. Yeah, I, you could go as high as a title shot, in my opinion. I really think you could. I mean, have we fully learned how reformed he is? Not fully, but we've learned a lot when he sticks to the wrestling, Luke. And 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 you know shows more responsibility striking. Pico is 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 such a much better fighter. It's incredible. But uh, man, that shoulder shoulder gate was gnarly though. Yeah, just yanking on that shit on national TV. Like, you know, I'm not in a position to be telling corners exactly what the best thing is, but I have a feeling that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah, you're like that ain't <laughs> right? it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My radar. So we'll went see. Off we'll that. see. Yeah. I mean, he's still young, so we'll see. Go ahead, number three. Uh, number three, uh, like, could I have gone wrong? Basically, just saying number three is Sergio Pettis, the in the injured and idle but current bantamweight champion, fighting the winner of the World Grand Prix, who will have the interim title. Yeah, either Rafael Stotts or Patchy Mix. But if you ask me, not only which one do I think you know should be favored coming in, and which matchup would get me a little more fired up, I think right now Patchy Mix versus Sergio Pettis is my number three fight to make for next year. Uh, you know. It it will get made if if mix beats Stotts uh, and let's you know no, again no disrespect to Stotts versus uh, Pettis that potential of two former teammates that's a hell of a great fight but Patchy Mix as we've talked about uh, th- throughout this tournament it took me a while to catch up to what he was doing but the Horaguchi fight was no mistake and he just continues to 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 wreck shit up I mean he is he is fi- he's figured out his own formula to be at his best now let's ride that wave and see it it's an interesting matchup against Pettis who'll have a lot of questions to answer from not only the injury lapse but you know he was losing every second of that Horiguchi fight before he he saved it all um this this be good theater for me I'm into it uh, I love anything patchy mix related for Bellator in 2023 you can sign me up. Yeah, anything and he might not win them all he may win some he may lose some don't know but his game is so exciting uh his control is excellent he can be a devastating finisher as well he is such a problem for that bantamweight division again the choice you made in terms of matchups is fine but dude there's a lot of directions you could go with that and still get great fights so yeah dude i'm all in on patchy mix 2023 the bellator takeover let's see if he can do it but whatever path he takes this matchup or the other ones Two thumbs up from this guy. Cannot go wrong. Uh, BC, how about this one? I'm going to go a slightly different direction than you. Slightly different direction. 
How about Patricio Pitbull versus Sergio Pettis? Fuck all this nonsense. Whoa. About, yeah, hear me out on this one. Hear me out on this one. I know that we still have to declare the winner of the, the Bellator uh, Bantamweight Grand Prix, but that's still undecided. It'll be Apache Mix, the point we just discussed, versus Rafael and Stotts. So we got to get that. And then the winner takes on ostensibly Sergio Pettis. And we wanted Sergio Pettis in the tournament, but we couldn't because he got injured and blah, blah, blah. All right. Here's the thing, though. I say fuck all that. I say Pettis is going to be back to health and, and ready to fight relatively soon-ish. I know he was on the broadcast talking about his health and recovery, and he's not quite ready yet, but he will be relatively soon-ish. I think if there's a way to squeeze that in, you just tell Patricio, dude, fuck 155, forget all that nonsense. It's time, it's time to figure out if we can get a three-belt holder in a single organization, have him fight right away. Patricio Pitbull going down to 135, taking on Sergio Pettis, and then the winner of Stotts and Mix gets the winner of that. Doesn't matter, because they're going to fight the champion no matter what um, in terms of Stotts and uh, Mix. But it, whether it's Pettis or it's Pitbull, it's hard to go wrong. In either case, it would be in a... Can you think about that? I mean, Stotts versus Pitbull, yes. Mix versus Pitbull, yes. Or the other way around, Mix versus Pettis or whatever. All of those work. None yeah. of those are bad fights. And just to... Dude, let's see some ambition from promoters. And I know that Coker's trying with this uh, Ryzen versus Bellator thing, which I think is a good is a great uh, indication of that. But what I'm saying is, let's let's get creative with the matchmaking. Let's try and see if we can create some actual history here. Pitbull is in a unique position where he can make 135 without much problems, and you already know he's going to be competitive no matter which guy on that roster he fights. Let's see if he can actually do it. Pitbull versus Pettis, make it happen. Yeah, you just played some elite level chess in that matchmaking. You caught me off guard with that. That that's actually the brilliant way to do it, and it gives the winner of the tournament time, rightfully so, to get some rest from from you know how quickly they've had to stay healthy and stay active here. Uh, but think about it like this: we we just had we're in the midst of what has been a very good Grand Prix. We all are really excited about the final. Then you have the champion waiting, who is you know arguably the biggest name of the group, Sergio Pettis. And you also can drop in the greatest fighter in Bellator history, potentially, if he wants to right now. And Patricio chasing history as what would be the first three divisions champion of the of elite MMA. I mean, it, it would be right. I mean, that's that's yes. what Rene Ritter wanted to do before he lost to Malikin. We always know Connor wanted to be the first one to do that. Um, that's that's wild. That's wild potential, man, because, you know, you could just as well make the debate on Patricio going up to lightweight instead and entering that group. But uh but like he already that. beat Michael Chandler. He already he already did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes, don't get me wrong. Patricio 155, amazing. Like, there's not a thing wrong with that. But, dude, we're going to really pass up an opportunity to see what he can do against elite championship guys at 135? That seems like a mistake to me. All right. I'm interested to on the same topic for my number two to ask what you think Bellator will do. Because here's the deal. Patricio Pipple versus AJ McKee part three. In whatever form or iteration you choose to do it, although the timing here has to be key because Usman Nurmagomedov just won the title and Patricio could go and really anywhere across three divisions. But Luke, whether it would be potentially for a lightweight title if either one won it here or it was as a part of the Grand Prix tournament that they're going to do at lightweight or if it was for Pitbull's featherweight title next year or if it was, it doesn't really matter the weight, right? Pitbull versus McKee three has a lot of answers to questions we still have based on the first two fights. Um, when do you think that they'll fit this in? Like, what you know what I mean? Is this like, does this have for them on a short-term level, almost like a McGregor Diaz three type thing where it's like, you can cash in at any point, but you do have to be strategic with that. I just, it's going to be, I don't know who they're going to pick for the lightweight Grand Prix. And I think that 
will tell us everything we need to know at that point. It's just hard to know. I don't think they're going to go right for it. Not to say not to say your call for it is bad. It, I agree with it. But um, by the way, Tuki might come in here at any moment. I forgot to lock the door again. Um, but the point being is, I I feel like they want some. I feel like they want some different matchups, but. If they end up getting a scenario where this is like organically a place that they find themselves, if the, if in fact Patricio goes to 155 for this Grand Prix, they'll probably put them on opposite ends of the bracket, and then hopefully they, they find their way at, in the end. But um, either way, it's it's an it's an impossibly good fight. Yeah, there you go. What do you right. got for number two? Take a two, Luke. Drop drop. Uh, f- funnily enough, my uh, number actually, you know what? No, sorry, I got it wrong. My number two is going to be one that's not okay. So, BC, I told you this before with, with Rachmanov and Shemaev, right? Let's get the hammers against each other. I'm sick of the hammers beating up on the, the, the terrible Americans and the overmatched Brazilians and the under-whoever Europeans. Let's put these goddamn hammers against each other. How about Usman Nurmagomedov versus Tofik Musayev? And I know wow. that's not a name that a lot of people know in, in the case of Musayev, but that dude is an absolute hammer as well. Was beating the shit out of a lot of good fighters over in Ryzen. Um, and you know, obviously his last fight, they weren't able to make, I think he had visa issues, Musayev, but in either case, this is a guy in Musayev who I actually feel like could give Usman Nurmagomedov some problems, uh, would really show us. Cause what you've seen from Usman is that he's very talented, very good everywhere, but I think was, you know, he's a bit of a risk manager relative to some of the other guys, a little bit less willing to open up unless he has very good conditions. Dude, Musayev is a little bit more hard nosed than that. And he can wrestle. He's good at submissions. He can strike. He can do everything as well. And I think he might push Nurmagomedov in terms of his comfort zone, which is where all of his really his offense comes from. He has to be kind of comfortable there to get it really going. That could be a very interesting matchup. And I got to tell you, like, I'm not saying that I know for a fact that, or I, I even believe that Musayev is necessarily the toughest fight for him in Bellator. But if it's not, it's the next toughest fight. Like, it is a very difficult contest. Usman Nurmagomedov, Tofik Musayev. I would love to see this fight. Damn, you, it felt like you just like ordered off the menu at a real ritzy restaurant and like to impress us all, and 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 like created a dish out of thin air. Luke, that that's um, that was not my five, but that's a fantastic sell, and I, I think it would be a great fight too. So uh, nice artistry from you, uh, Luke. Number one, you know what I'm going to say, dude. Usman Nurmagomedov, AJ McKee. It says it all, dude. And we may end up. So look, like. If they so do hold this, on. we can we can just stop here. It's my number one as well. Hell my yeah, my number one as well. I mean, look this this lightweight Grand Prix Bellator setting up has potential to be incredible. I mean, if if Patricio surprises us and jumps in too, Luke, you know, I mean, this could be wild. We I don't know. Do you see this in the final? If they do fight next year, either way, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you know McKee's combination of athleticism with with you know, IQ and and the flashiness that he brings uh, and the chances sometimes he takes, that's just the perfect, you know, opposing fencing opponent to come here and try to try to see if he can take that amazing computer in Nurmagomedov, who also is an artist, but in his own different way uh, and, and just try to try to make him overthink himself. I mean, this could, you know, this could be slow and, and it could be quick. It could be fast too, Luke. Either way, man, I just can't wait to see what they paint, I, I you know, paint, go ahead, go ahead, the, paint your masterpiece together. I mean, the thing for me here is that a guy like Nurmagomedov, as I just mentioned, very careful, <sighs> excuse me, very thorough, very talented, great wrestler, 
able to create openings in so many dynamic ways, but a little bit of a risk manager, which it sounds like I'm being insulting. I'm not just the kind of fighter that he is. I mean, his success speaks for itself. McKee is not that guy. McKee is balls out. Let's go. He's very talented as well. And he's not, he doesn't fight stupid, but he does fight a lot more offensively open and he will take more risks along the way. It's just such a great pairing. It's, you know, youth taking over in the division, which we've, we're, by the way, we're seeing over at 155 in the UFC as well. So it's kind of this like broader global movement, to be quite honest with you. All the other talents kind of slowly getting pushed out. This would be a great example of it. And honestly, I don't know who would win. It's such a phenomenal contrast of styles, personalities, approaches to the fight game. And yet, on both sides, youth, elite athleticism, well-rounded skills, finishing capability, you name it. Can't, I mean, of all the fights Bellator can make in 2023, if we can't find a way to make this one, what a missed opportunity that and, would be. And this would Huge be one of those fight. compelling ones, even though neither are like, I mean, McKee can be flashy at times in his own way, of course, but like neither of them are over-the-top trash talkers or overly charismatic, but I still think like a doc series behind the scenes on these guys would be very interesting considering, you know, their camps and their backstories and uh yeah, I, like this is a book I want to read slowly, Luke, because that's usually the pace I have to because of my upbringing. <laughs> uh, all right. With that in mind, we just have one left. Boxing. Our top five boxing fights that we would want to see in 2023. BC, as is customary, you get to go first, good sir. What's the all right, fifth, I talked fight, about it. fifth most fight you want to see in um I've already hyped this up massive, the potential, uh, last week when Naya Inoue, the monster, became the undisputed Bantamweight champion, his third division, and you saw it on the t-shirt he wore in celebration after, which indicated a want to move up to go for a fourth title at 122. Right now, the big names, it's Akhmedaliev on one side, it's the PBC banner on Showtime uh, with, you know, Fulton, Figueroa, Neri, and all those guys, but look, the best fight, the biggest stakes, pound-for-pound rankings against each other, it's the monster Niowa Inoue fighting Stephen Fulton Jr. And, uh, you know, maybe Fulton could get the uh, his own undisputed path eventually, you know, with Akhtamaliev, or maybe he rematches Figueroa. I don't know the direction he's going. But if this can somehow land late next year and all the parties would have to be willing based on Inoue's ESPN partnership and top rank affiliation, but I, I don't know if it can be made. But damn, it's, this is high class stuff. This is like going, to, you know, this is this is the high end steakhouse, Luke. I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Like, this is some wagyu shit. Okay, let's yeah, do it. This is um, this is something special, which is why it's my number five as well. I have exactly this fight. Wow. No way, Stephen Fulton Jr. I didn't know much about Stephen Fulton Jr. when I started covering boxing again at the beginning of my morning combat run. BC hit me to him a long time ago, or I should say at the beginning of that process. And so I've been a little bit more acutely aware of him more recently when I say that the last few years. He is just a marvel. I mean, he is so smooth. I got to host that uh, prelim stream on the Danny Garcia return fight with him and Boots Ennis. And um, I got to talk to him a lot, both on that broadcast and off. Smart guy, understands the fight game, understands what makes him work understands what his competitors are good at and how to get around it, fully confident in his own abilities. And what can I say about the monster himself? Ridiculous power, the ability to create openings, fast, dynamic, dynamic talent. Both of them are technicians to the nth degree, both in their 20s. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we could have put this number one on our list and we would have been justified. It's almost insulting that we had it at number five, but if there is a God... They will make this fight in 2023. Yeah, the the planets need to align properly, but it's uh, 
you know, I believe that there's 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 life out there beyond this planet, Luke. So there, there we All go. Right, with that. Number four. Go ahead. Uh, I cannot believe this is number four. I cannot believe it. Is it Butterbean? Yeah, it's Butterbean rematching Larry Holmes. No, uh, Luke, number four. I mean, it was our number one every year for a lot. And and we can't act like we're over it completely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. But Errol Spence Jr. versus Terrence Crawford for the undisputed welterweight championship between two, you know, generational welterweights. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It could it could happen next year. It very well could. It has taken a... It's been a, a gut punch. It's been a kick to the nards, Luke, to watch this thing fall apart when... I mean, you know, and you got to juggle the blame and, you know, who even cares at the end in terms of who's to blame? Like, I feel like I know, you feel like, you know, everybody feels like they may, even if they have a dog in this race or not. My dog ultimately is, I want to see this fight. I want to find out who's the best welterweight of this era post Mayweather Pacquiao. Who's the man? Um, And also contrast wise, style wise, I don't have to tell you anything else about this. This is, this could be the best thing going in this sport. You know, the best thing we have to offer could be right here. But they've waited a long time. Ter- Terrence Crawford has not looked good in the public eye, whether unfair or not, throughout the negotiation process in this. Uh, it, it, it could, I mean, it could make next year like overwhelmingly epic. It also could just never happen. It feel you yeah, know. I gotta it, tell you, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I just and you could say whatever you want about me and how this critique is bad faith. We we do work for Showtime, and so please take that into consideration with what I'm about to say. But. I candidly, I just don't believe Crawford really wants it. I, I don't. I don't. I'm at that point where I just don't think he really wants it. I know he even tweeted Spence today at the point in which we're having this conversation. That's great. I would love to be wrong. Maybe they'll make it. You know, I don't know what other options Bud really has at this point. So I guess we'll see. But I don't think he wants that fight. BC, I mean, in the end, this could just be if you're if you're blaming Bud, it could just be him wanting like like Spence said on the Showtime broadcast. He should have just come out and said, I you know I got this bag and I want it. And let's let's wait, and we'll let me get this bag first. I mean, that's what it seemed like it was in the end. Although, who knows? You know, who who knows who actually got paid? Luke at the BLK Prime pay per view because you hear a lot of negative rumors coming out of that as well. Hey, did but, it sell a million buys? No, no, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't turn that kind of profit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll have to check Todd Grisham. Hopefully, his check made it through there, Luke. But uh, yeah, man, um, it it. it it really, it could happen. I mean, like, that's why it's like, but we're almost, we're all, I hope it's one of those things, Luke, where it does happen. And then we all wake up again to how great it could be. And, and it's, it's this bonus on top of, you know, the best year that ever happened in the sport. Luke, every year has the potential to be the best year ever. Okay. Just, you got to yeah, hold that level of optimism in, um, in boxing or you'll die, Luke, you'll die. Okay. If you don't hold on to some, you know, fleeting feeling and moment. Okay. It's, it's still real to me. Damn it. All right. 
For my number four in boxing, I'm going to go Dmitry Bivol versus Artur Baterbiev. Or oh, you, yes. How do you want to say it? So in the case of Artur, you have the only champion in all of boxing with a 100% finishing rate. We're talking 175 here, light heavy. Bivol doing incredible things against Zerto, and then previous to that, Canelo really elevating both his game and I think this past year, BC, his profile. Bivol went from like a very much an insider's kind of guy to having pretty two big main events, obviously the one in Canelo being the biggest of them. And he really just did nothing but shine. He did nothing but look good. And also on top of that, his game to me got a little bit cleaner. It got a little bit more offensive. It got just he just really grew in that time. And we don't have a great window left for Bater, uh, Better Beef, however you say it, Baterbiev. But um, he is a guy who is just a punishing, punishing talent. You yeah. know, relocated to Canada, but from Chechnya originally. He is so dynamic. He is such a powerful force, marches down everyone, puts everyone away, undefeated. Again, 100% finishing rate. That's He's the only one in all of boxing to have that as a champion. How do we not make this fight? This seems like not a, it's a no-brainer mentally. Obviously, it's much more complicated in, real, in the real world. But BC, surely you agree. This yeah. is one to see in twenty. I just can't believe this didn't make my top five because it's like you didn't even mention the the element of like, oh, by the way, it's two unbeaten champions, both in or right around the top 10 pound for pound and it's for all four light right. heavyweight champions like it's right. the undisputed championship like it's everything the only thing it lacks is like that over the top crossover appeal which it doesn't have but with Bivol raising his profile as you mentioned um damn yeah there's no it doesn't seem to be anything in the way still except for what Anthony Yard fight against uh better beef coming up I think that's that right happened? yeah he does have to get know. through that which he probably will and then yeah we'll that's in January that. I think yeah there you go all right Luke number three is a fight uh we hope we're seeing what April fifteenth is the working date. Yes, it's Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia, pay per view, one hundred thirty six pound catch uh, weight, catch uh, catch weight. Excuse me, uh, but obviously, Luke, uh, you know, forget whatever. There's no titles here. What we're talking about is two unbeaten, absolute stars. Not just in the sport, but really more importantly for them uh, in terms of how they've crossed over outside of it into a younger audience group. They have separate audiences in some ways, too. You bring in two just studs. Not, not not that both, you know, there aren't questions in some ways regarding both, although Gervonta's, I mean, God, we know we know who he is now. We know how finished and how pound for pound he is. Ryan Garcia, there's still more questions, but the fact that we don't have those answers is part of what makes this potentially a great fight because there's two gunslingers who are just going to go at it, and they, they kind of bent the system to make this happen. Ryan Garcia pushed back. And at the end of the day, they made the deal, you know, provided that Gervonta wins on January 7th, provided no injuries, no court obligations that, that threaten it. We could see this in four months. I mean, this is this is this is wild, Luke. And we as we always talk about, don't see this enough in their prime going out of their way to fight each other. It's not even like they're doing it for the championship, Luke. They're just doing it to prove something. When you get that mentality in an already can't miss fight, it could be a, you know, can never forget it type of fight. Man, I'm just watching this highlight here and tank flattening Roly Romero like that. Good Lord. What a beautiful shot. Uh, obviously, you know, we think that this fight's going to happen. We hope that this fight's going to happen. No, nothing is ever guaranteed until they're in the ring. But yeah, dude, I mean, this is one of the most exciting fights boxing can make. Independent of weight class, independent of belt, independent of all that. Just give me, like, if you just said, what's a huge fight boxing could make? Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. It's 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 it, it, going to be in most people's top of their list. 
Not a damn thing wrong with it. So I really, really hope that they make it. This Can you year. believe that's my number three? That was my number one like three months ago. I think the fact that we kind of feel like now we're getting it, maybe I'm, you know, for some weird reason, underrating it now. I mean, but it's my third. That could be number one for anyone. Yes. Actually, I didn't even put it on my list only because, not that I didn't want, think it's in my top five, just because it's kind of already on the calendar. I'm more thinking of fights that haven't been announced or anything yet, you know? So that's where I'm at. So for my number three, BC, listen, man. I'm not telling you this is going to be the most technical fight. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling you this is for all the marbles. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am telling you is one of these two names I'm about to say, you can't tell me you wouldn't have a good-ass time watching this fight. So, BC, you know how some fights are just... Like, for example, your fight you, you wanted to see between Gaethje and Chandler. That's just a mm-hmm. fun-ass fight, man. I mean, there's not a damn thing wrong with it, right? Here's my version of that. Deontay Wilder versus Andy Ruiz. And people shit on Deontay Wilder because he doesn't have, you know, Muhammad Ali technique. Dude, fuck all that. That guy has the, he can lower the boom on anybody we've seen. I, I think he takes AJ uh, to school personally uh, just by virtue of his power, not by virtue of his boxing ability. And Ruiz can box, and he definitely looks a lot better than he has been, ass tats and all. But he, I don't think he's necessarily, like, fully maximized his potential either. No, he still the- fights fights with balls sometimes for the wrong reasons at the wrong times right. like this would be way, how about this both guys are pbc fighters both yeah. guys are in the same promotional family bc this is a fight that should be again relatively speaking easy to make and for as long as it lasts fun as shit do you yeah, disagree it's, it's or interesting not? the life this fight has taken on because it seemed to be like Fox in particular was like telegraphing the want to do this on pay-per-view and, you know, putting on pay-per-view interim fights to build toward this. And, you know, there was a time where we thought of Ruiz maybe higher immediately after he upset Josh or AJ for sure. And, you know, before the disappointing uh, loss in the rematch, but he's done Andy Ruiz things since then, right? Aztats come back, look, you know, good, but also got dropped by Ariola. Um, man, he's a threat still to win a title. He can box and is quicker than people realize, and that's ultimately what makes him dangerous. But he's also a a proud Mexican fighter, Luke, and there's times he just throws himself into danger or just ends up there because he gets wobbled. The potential for just pendulum-shifting drama in this fight is through the roof. So I like that when you're basically like, yeah, that'd be a good action movie. Let's watch it, right? Basically, that's it. Who doesn't want to see a great action movie? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Right, what's your number two, I believe? Uh, here we go, Luke. Uh, you want history? You want two unbeaten fighters? You want every? I mean, everything. Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk. And we seem to be really close, by the way, based on, you know, Bob Aram put another rumor out there that part of the deal signed or both verbally agreed or whatever. You know, it's like another step in the process. But uh, we survived the, the trilogy with Chisora. We didn't need it. Here we are. It's, I mean, if Usyk wins this, Okay, if he pulls another upset, you're talking about a, uh, you know, Olympic champion who would then become the first four bell undisputed cruiserweight champion and then become the undisputed heavyweight champion. Like, I'm not prepared to know how to even put that in historical terms or Fury wins and, you know, begins to add enough names on his resume to really make that argument, not just of the heavyweight of this era, which a victory here over Usyk would prove that. But I'm not I'm not kidding. Like, to you know, he doesn't have the resume of, of the historical ones we try to compare him to because of the times he's been in and out and the unpredictability and all that. 
but he's starting to fill it in just enough. If he beats Usyk and becomes the undisputed champion, you could over, you could throw Fury into you know top ten list of, of heavyweights definitely. But you could even try to push him further. I'm seriously it, unbeaten if he gets a chance to fight everybody. I, I think he'll fight Joshua before before giving it all up. That would probably be as close as it come to having fighting everybody he could. I mean, he beat Klitschko for the titles in a big upset. I mean, he's he's done some things here, Luke. Not as consistent as we've wanted to and all that. But there's so much damn history here. And I think also it'll just be a really interesting chess match on top of that. Uh, it'll be pomp and circumstance. It'll feel like royalty. Let's do it. My number two could be your number one. Maybe you didn't have it on there. I don't know. What do you got, Luke? Uh, how about your number two is my number two. Tyson Fury versus Oleksandr Usyk. I have the exact same fight in the exact same placement. We had a couple of these overlap through the three different lists that we did. I I, I couldn't add much to it other than it's a fight that needs to happen. It's a fight that I think probably will happen. And for all the reasons of the historical significance in either side, this is this is the one. Um, there would be other good fights you could make with Tyson Fury. As you mentioned, the one with AJ, would I, I would certainly not poo-poo it. I'd be happy with it. But for 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 the sport, for the history, for the division, for its significance, for its frankly, like for people who like technical fighting, man, this is going to be a dream fight, right? Really unpacking all the tiny details that make the difference in this contest. This is the one. Tyson Fury, a phenomenal technician. Usyk, maybe the best of the all the heavyweights in terms of how precise and thorough he is in that department. What else could you say? It's the fight to make, maybe in the all of boxing, certainly in the heavyweight division, and I really, really, really hope we get it next year. Damn, it's like Usyk is, he might be the greatest cruiserweight of all time. It's either him or Evander Holyfield. And now he has a chance to beat Tyson Fury and be the undisputed, unbeaten champion here in heavyweight. Like, that's just just wild, as is the history potential for Fury on the other side. That's how you know you love it. Luke, my number one... um, I just realized I don't have what might end up being your number one on this list, but, and the one that I'm missing could end up, could have been in any of my five slots. The point is there's a lot of great fights that actually are realistic can happen next year. I don't know if this one is specifically realistic, but it's actually not hard to make. Here's the deal. The boxing fan in me, the pure fan in me, the hardcore loves pure boxing on the highest level, the artistry of it. Loves young fighters on the verge of breaking through and loves them having to prove it against the very best content, you know, they can have. So, look, Devin Haney's your lightweight champion. He's got all four titles and he's unbeaten. He's like 24. Uh, He might be next to fight Lomachenko, and that's a fight that could be on anybody's list in the top five. It could be in mine, too. But Shakur Stevenson might be the next Floyd. He might be that next pound for pound king. Devin Haney might also be that guy, too. Boots and said, well, might also be that guy. But in this same division... In the same promotional stable and network, now that Shakur's moved up to 135, he can't get any of the names. That's all you see in the headlines. All these people are saying no to fighting him. Imagine if Devin Haney brings all four belts in his unbeaten record against two-division champion, Olympic medalist, unbeaten Shakur Stevenson, and they fight for number one pound for pound. That could be on the table if these guys fight each other. And it would be them fighting each other in the early part of their prime. Like, you know, the stuff we want, that old school mentality to be back. Luke, from just straight up, your chess game against mine, that might be the, purely the best boxing matchup you can make in this sport. Seriously. I mean, Spence Crawford um, is there too. I think I have one but, that's better. You know? I think I have one that's better. All right. Uh, but it fits in line with what you're talking about. I don't hate that fight at all. I love to see that contest. I mean, what a what a dream it would be. 
find it unlikely, but certainly crazier things have happened. But in the spirit of why you're arguing for it, I'm going to throw something out that um, I don't think will happen either, candidly. But this is the one I think should happen. And if it does, I will have my pants around my ankles. Namely, Errol Spence Jr. versus Jerron Ennis. That's the one I would like to see. I candidly just do not believe Bud Crawford really wants the fight. He may end up taking it. He may end up winning it. We'll have to see. But I just don't really believe in his heart of hearts. He thinks he needs it or really wants it. I just, I'm very down on the idea of Spence versus Crawford ever happening. Hope I'm wrong. But the one that you could make in the same weight class, although, again, no one really wants to fight Boots for all the reasons that we know. Boots Ennis is maybe the best talent in all of boxing. We don't really know that, but he, he appears to be the real deal Holyfield. He can do it all. He can box. He can punch. He can move. He can counterfight. He can lead. He can do every single thing. High fight IQ, dynamic athleticism, you name it, he's got it. And we all know the story of Errol Spence, just an absolute jackhammer of a fighter. Gets in close, works the body like nobody else, has an unrelenting pace, unrelenting pressure. They'll be the best trainer in the game. These two guys are in the same weight class. They're, in, they're not exactly in the same promotion, but more or less kind of are. Uh, because, obviously, uh, Jerron Ennis has a slightly different promoter, but it works with PBC. So you, could, you wouldn't have major hurdles in that sense to making it happen. And you want to talk about chess game you want to talk about a brutality game you want to talk about two uh, like just fully complete fighters in their own kinds of ways bc tell me i'm wrong tell me that you wouldn't die to see jerron ennis and errol spence lock horns i see what you did right there and it's a brilliant it's a brilliant you know shuffling of the uh the deck chairs but we're not on the titanic we're on the chessboard you're basically telling me for your personal fandom Obviously, no one's going to turn down Spence Crawford. It, it's it's everything and more. Yeah. But Spence Boots has become your Spence Crawford just from the standpoint of there's a question out there that I want answered, and and this might be the best way to find that out, right? Yes, like you, but also I think the fight would be exciting. I don't think it would be oh a God, defensive be, affair, you know? It, I mean, it's... That's the thing. It's like, you know, you could get it wrong to look at boxing and even get into it in a little and then exit and just focus on the negative and be like, man, this portal, it's always in its own way. This could be a fight next year, dude. This is a generational fight. It could be number one. I can't. Yeah, I love that you you ordered off the menu and kind of made even though really it's not that far of a leap, because if Ennis beats uh, Trikadze in there on January 7th, he's what the mandatory now in two of the belts for for uh, Spence. So. Damn, that's a great fight. So, Luke, the biggest thing that people might be yelling at is how the hell do both of you not have Canelo versus David Benavidez? I don't only really because I don't think we see it next year. I, I but, again, I'm dude, I'm not opposed to that fight, and we're gonna get David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant. So, by the way, that's a great contest. It's just, yeah, I don't, I just, it's really, 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 really hard to know what like um, that could be your number one. That could be your number one because if anybody, what you know, Canelo is among the in the argument among the best in the world at the moment. Obviously, he's not our pound for pound number one anymore, but he's still in that argument. And his best division is sixty eight, and this is the only guy I think you could you know make right now a monster case for having the style, youth, you know, power, everything mixed together, right? The backbone, everything to give him extreme trouble. My question is, how long is Canelo going to be out? you know, with the injury that's supposed to go into the summer, at least next year. And at that point, will he be waiting to see who wins Bivol better Bev to, uh, you know, to potentially rematch Bivol for all four titles, right? I mean, there's basically a decision that Canelo is going to have to make next year when it's 
about to be time to come back. Will he come back to the PBC and God, hopefully on Showtime here, right? And and try to get into this larger sweepstakes with Benavidez, who's going to fight Plant. Maybe Jamal Charlo moves up. I mean, you know, Andrade's around and uh, um, there's there's names, there's options. Not that I think he ever wants to fight Andrade. He's told him off before, but you get my point. Uh, or Luke, does he look at that B-Vol matchup and the competitor inside of Big Red just go, nah, man, I know how to beat him. And if now you have a chance that he could do it for four belts, what do you think? What do you think next year Canelo goes? Which direction? I think it, it, dep- it, it changes the, the landscape. Rematch. It changes the landscape so much based on his decision, right? Yeah, I think he tries for the Bivol rematch, personally. I think he wants it back. I don't think it's very advisable, but he wants it. And I think, you know, as a, arguably the biggest star in boxing, I think he gets what he wants. So that's probably where we're headed with that. All right. Candidly. All right, we have just a couple of topics we want to get to here very quickly, and then we'll get to some of the fan subs. BC, topic number four here. So the Robert Whitaker versus Paulo Costa fight is off from UFC 284. Uh, Whitaker on Instagram said, quote, UFC tried everything in their power to get Costa to to the fight. The Perth fight is not happening. Of course, that's where it was going to take place, Perth, Australia. They're looking to reschedule me in March or April. This is very upsetting. I'm sorry to all the friends and fans and family heading over there to watch me work. It's out of my hands. Costa had tweeted basically that he felt sorry for Robert Whitaker because he's been consistent, which, by the way, he's right. He has been telling everyone in the public, I didn't sign off on this fight at all. He also wanted a new contract. Now, according to Whitaker, UFC did, in fact, offer him a new deal, but he was making 65-65 in his last fight. I think he wants more than that. You can make your judgment about whether or not that's justified. But Costa then tweeted, in addition to like saying he was sorry to Robert because it's not his fault, he didn't he didn't announce this fight to the public. Quote, great fights are going down due to a lack of negotiation skills. They should stop being petty. They, I think in this case, refers to UFC. BC, who's to blame? Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, UFC? Come well, down on this one. It depends on ultimately who you believe and, and how much information is out there that we don't know of what actually goes on at the negotiation table because didn't Paulo Costa end up putting public uh, at some form, I don't know if it was an interview or a tweet or an IG post that he was offered 70 and 70 for this fight and since somebody like Whitaker's getting, you know, what, a guarantee of probably 250, right? 250K, something big like that, right? Uh, I don't know, but probably more, yes. Yeah, or or maybe a lot more. Um, 70 and 70, you know, to go to the guy's backyard more or less and travel halfway across the world. Uh, you know, I get in theory what he's saying with that, but isn't Costa also like very public about wanting to fight out his contract and get out of here? So are we looking at him? I mean, are we looking at them trying to freeze him out basically, Luke? No, I mean, here's the way I come down on ABC. And and if I'm missing something, by all means, tell me. I am perfectly willing to believe that Costa is asking for things that even the most ardent fan of increasing fighter pay would recognize that he's asking for things that he's not really entitled to. He just, this is way too much or that he's flaky and somewhat hard to deal with. I can, I can, I can, I don't know that those things to be true, but I can really imagine that that would be in play. Right. But here's the thing for me, dude, of all the entities, who was the entity that made the announcement of this fight before any of it had ever been signed? It's the UFC. Dude, they did. The UFC. This and by the like, way, we go, hold on. Hold on. We go back to this. This is not the first time that they have allegedly done this. You had many fighters being upset about this. And you had, re, uh, in the last few years, Ally Aquinta upset that they had announced the fight with Bobby Green. He had never signed on to it at all. He didn't understand why they were doing that. They were doing that ostensibly, and one of my favorite words, 
to pressure these guys to sign. They make the announcement, and they're like, oh, well, I guess I got to sign this now because uh, they made it public, and I guess I got to go through with it. Dude, I'm sorry, man. You can say whatever you want about behind the scenes, a guy like Paulo Costa being difficult to deal with, and of course, he's missed weight at times. Like, Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of criticisms to make of Paulo Costa, but there is one entity here that gave literal fake news about this. I think that you should, re- all of you, the proverbial you, all of us should take a step back and say, if they're not done negotiating, whatever the terms of that may be, they're not done negotiating. Well, you yeah, cannot dude, announce a fight that doesn't exist. It's a dirtbag, dirty, uh, you know, mafia level way of negotiating that they seem to do constantly. So the, the thing is, we don't know, like, we know that they're at odds. But the thing is, you know, you never know if Costa's kidding or not. And he posts a lot of stuff that's, you know, memes or just him being ridiculous. But you know he's been talking a lot publicly of late, you know, teasing this idea that that he's going to go and that you know. So who knows what the first wound was, right? To start this, maybe like you said, maybe they looked at him as being something big for them, and then his flakiness, you know, contributed to that. But they're not in a good space. So now for him to reveal if it's true that they did only offer him seventy and seventy, this tells me that they're trying to. Like, okay, like what's their what's their move right here? This is their move to just try to hurt him that way. Offer him fights he won't accept at prices he won't accept, but then at the end of the year say, look, we offered you our our you know what we're con- what we're contractually obligated to. So he's in an interesting spot, Luke. He could be in purgatory and get to a point where he's just like, Man, I gotta come back. Uh it doesn't does doesn't feel like they're in a good place at all. So what is his future? How many fights does he actually have left? Does he have to wait for some sunset one. clause and sit he's out a year? One. This is going to be interesting. Not that I think him on the free agent market would dramatically change things, but you know he may have a, he may have some life in him for somebody to 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 really do some fun stuff. I I get the feeling he's trying to get out, Luke. That this isn't a joke. Well, I, again, I just don't know how relevant any of those things are. Like, oh, it's you know, it's he doesn't want he's got one fight left, and I think declining this could probably add a little bit of time left on the deal. Though after he gets his next fight, they may decide that they don't want to work with him anymore who knows like again it's not to, to me the question is is he making unfair demands to the UFC and being difficult to work with probably probably but what does that have to do with a UFC 284 announcement that's again according to him and there's been other fighters in history who have had the same complaint allegedly fake news like there's only one party responsible for that just one and so to me, it's like, well, who do you blame for 284? That's a separate question from should UFC resign him? What yeah. is he actually worth? Blah, blah, blah. If the negotiations are private and then this news is allegedly released to the public to force him to sign something he doesn't want to sign, I don't know how anybody else is to blame for any of that. It's yeah. very clear there's one side to blame for that. Then have a separate conversation about, okay, well, is this guy worth it being in business with because he misses weight? He, you know, he antagonizes USADA, which is a partner of the UFC. Like, there's plenty of reasons to say the UFC maybe should get rid of him or doesn't want to be in business with him. Fine, fine. Totally happy to have that conversation. I don't think the UFC is to blame in totality, again, my another one of my favorite words, for the relationship that they have with Costa and how it could have gotten sideways. I guarantee he's responsible for a lot of that. I mean, just go back to the fight against Izzy, where he just imploded and was drinking wine. Like, you know, I well, get how the UFC they... would be like, yeah, we don't want to pay this guy a bunch of money. I get that. But Here's don't an insider release question. that news to the public if it's not real. Well, you're right. I mean, I mean, dude, you're right. They're they're dirty. They're dirty as shit. But here's the key question: Do you think wherever they were at that he irreparably damaged his standing with the company during that 
Nate Diaz Chamaya fight week when he kind of made it about himself. And, you know, it was one thing to make a moment to like peak interest for a future fight, but do they think like he, he helped create a level of chaos that led to Chamaya getting off focus or missing weight or anything like that? Is, is there any connection there in your eyes? You don't I tend to don't, care about the drama. No, but dude, because Chemayev is like a hard charger. I don't, I doubt that. I honestly feel like it's probably, they hate it when people miss weight. I mean, they fucking hate it. And I understand that. I think their UFC is justified for that. So I get that. You know, an antagonizing partners or, you know, speaking ill of them in the media consistently, which he does. I, dude, I get the UFC being like, oh, we're sick of dealing with this guy. Fine. Totally on it. To- totally okay. None of that, in my view, has a single thing to do with where we assign blame when news gets leaked to the public that isn't true. Uh, Just, you can't do that. You can't do that. And if that's what they did, again, it's all alleged, but if that's what they did, and there is some evidence for that this is a continued practice, to me, this is an open and shut case. Don't do that shit if you want to have the moral high ground. Don't. You can't I mean, they're by doing that, they're basically pointing the gun back at the fighters and saying, go ahead, make a union. You know what I mean? Like, go ahead, figure some way out of this bear trap that we got you in and we know you have nowhere to go unless you want to fight us and we'll use every inch of leverage we have to bury you and offer you fights you won't accept right i mean this yeah, and also like if you're mma media we don't we don't we're not in the business of this because it's just not what we do in terms of hammering the phones and verifying but also like if you are in the business of that kind of thing like i feel like matchups have to be double checked now like when the ufc says hey this fight is a is a is is a, is a go can you trust that? I don't know that. Is, be, tell me, BC. Can you? I, I'm, I, I don't even know. Yeah, um, apparently you can't. But you know, to be very fair with you, although the good ones stand ground and do it right uh, for journalists, and you know, I, I always respect people like Ariel, Dan Raphael, who like are just so committed to getting it right, which should be their job, right? I feel like a lot of the 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 news that gets traded around anyway, really in both combat sports, Luke, sometimes is like. I mean, it's I mean, it's always going to be based on relationships when people get little snippets ahead of time. But a lot of times it just feels like public leveraging from the entities behind the scenes. You see that, Luke, you can sniff that. You can smell that from time to time. For sure. For sure. I mean, a lot of stuff gets leaked to pressure people in either direction. And we should also be clear, like fighter. I don't know about this particular case, but like fighters, managers will leak things to the press that aren't true or, you know, partly true or, you know, halfway true as a way to uh, influence the public as well. Like uh, every party does it um, in, the, in the, uh, the course of a year, in the course of a lifetime, you see it. I'm just saying in this case, people being upset, you know, I get that. I, I wanted to see the cost of fight with Whitaker as well. It would have been a tremendous contest. And I understand the UFC ha- wants to sell tickets in Perth. I get all that. But either the fight is signed and it, or it's not. And either it's a done deal or it's not. And if it's not, you can't announce that. <laughs> It seems this all seems to me like very, very easy to understand. All right. Do you is there any part of this that whether okay, I want to ask if they were willing to 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 pull this apart by lowballing Costa in theory, I guess, if that if all that is true. Are they thinking about, hey, maybe the immediate rematch with Pereira and and Adesanya isn't our only option. Maybe we could sub in Robert right here. Is that part of the potential thinking here? Is there any? I mean, that you'd have to go conspiracy to connect those dots, Luke. But you know, I don't I think so. I, I tend to think it's probably, you know, I've had discussions with the UFC matchmakers over the years and like sort of tried to get in their head a little bit about how they think about things. I don't. I just don't think that they want to pay him any more than what they're paying him. Probably not much more anyway. 
And they probably think he's a bit of a loose cannon with, 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 with some good reason. Again, I'm not saying that like, that's a crazy thought. That's probably a reasonable thing. Like, how reliable is this guy as a business partner who goes after USADA, who kills us in the media, who undercuts this and that? Yeah, I get all that. I, I, I tend to think that's probably pretty reasonable. And they just want him to accommodate it. He didn't. And, again, allegedly, they just released it to the public anyway. Yeah, it's like, okay, man, you, had it, you guys might have been right the whole way through, but then all of that gets flushed down the toilet when you just say, yeah, the fight's signed. And UFC 284, that's what they're going to fight. Well, no, not necessarily, right? So... There you go. Uh, BC, we won't spend a ton of time on this because I know we don't necessarily have a ton to say. Didn't see this hardly anywhere in the news media. Eric McGracken reported it some other places. But folks, when I tell you this is probably the biggest, or I should say, potentially the biggest news for next year, I'm not exaggerating. The Ali Act is reportedly coming back in 2023. It has to be reintroduced every legislative session if it doesn't actually reach completion in the previous one. And the guy who initiated it in previous legislative sessions was a guy by the name of Mark Wayne Mullen, who was, at the time, a congressman from Oklahoma. He had fought MMA. I think he had three MMA fights. And he's a Republican from, from, uh, from Oklahoma. He is now a senator from Oklahoma. So he's going to be there for a while. And he has pledged to the MMAFA and, and uh, Nate Quarry, who's a guy who's been sh- shepherding all of this, that he's going to be reintroducing it on the Senate side back in 2023. For folks who may not know what the Ali Act might do, it can do a lot of things. It prohibits coercive contracts. That means that there's a certain time limit that they can be on it, as well as some other things. In-house titles, so like the Strike Force title, the UFC, the Bellator title, that gets removed and gets put in sanctioning bodies. That way the promoter can't control it. All contracts between promoters and fighters will be, need to be disclosed to athletic commissions and promoters that would be required to disclose all compensation the promoter is making to the fighters. So there's much more transparency. A firewall would be in place between promoters and managers, so you can't do both at the same time. And it would impose criminal and civil penalties for those who violate the legislation. More importantly, it gives fighters the right to sue anyone who caused them, quote, economic injury by violating the statute. It's a powerful tool for MMA fighters that they currently do not have. Now, you can like the fact, uh, excuse me, you can like the Ali Act or you can hate the Ali Act. But BC, now Mark Wayne Mullen, who, by the way, did a good job in getting bipartisan signatures. He got a lot of Democrats to sign on to it. He got a lot of Republicans to sign on to it. By the way, I'm going to say it one more time. He is a Republican. Um, and you should note something. The guys who own WME, uh, what's his name? Um, the dude who was made a, uh, Ari, not Patrick Whitesell, but the other one. Ari Ali, Emanuel. Uh, Ari Emanuel. Ari Emanuel. By the way, he was close friends with uh, Trump and had, you know, had meetings with Trump when Trump was president. I tend to think Trump would have vetoed the legislation if it had made his way. We'll see if it actually gets to through the House and if it turns into leg- legislation that heads to President Biden's desk. But he might be more inclined to sign it than anyone else. I-, I don't know what exactly to ask you about this, except to say I find this to be very big news. And again, one more time, Mark Wayne Mullen's stature in the U.S. Congress went from here to up here now that he's a senator. Big, yeah. big deal. I mean, is it percentage chance that this starts to become a problem for the UFC in any form? Well, they're going to lobby against it. They've been lobbying against it on the Hill at every point in which it's become proposed legislation moving through committee. Um, And they're going to find any way they can to get it killed in committee, killed on the floor, killed in reconciliation. They're going to do whatever they can to prevent it from getting to either President Biden's desk or whoever's president by the time it eventually gets there. And, And, you know, listen, passing any legislation in this Congress is, I think, both 
sides of the aisle might agree is very difficult, not going to be easy. Um, but I just feel like if you've got a majority Dem Senate, right, with a Republican senator shepherding it, now you've got a Republican-controlled House, and they're much more, I think, these days inclined to believe the abuses of big business than they had been previously. I don't know, folks. I think it'd be a huge mistake to sleep on this. Any legislation getting signed is going to be difficult. Any, 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 including this. But this would be transformative in the industry, and the power player behind it has had a massive increase in his functional role in Congress not to be trifled with, not to be ignored. Very interesting, Luke. Very interesting. There Could be a game changer. Could be, but... Just uh, wanted to make sure we got it into the show since yeah. I didn't see any coverage of it anywhere, basically. So, there you go. There All right, is, BC. Let's, let's time, it's time for farts and uh, pull my finger jokes. Well, let's not really, it. Luke. I wanted to remind the people that we're getting closer oh, yes. to the end of the month, and I want to let you know what that means. Not just the beginning of a new year upon us, Luke. It's almost time to select the second Money Lion Hammer of the month. Of course, Aaron Blanchfield, the rising UFC flyweight. We were able to give it to her in person. You can watch that episode tomorrow when it drops for Room Service Diaries. But the spirit is the same. Who this month has just leaped through your screen from the undercard, from a, you know, anything but a main event or a co-main event. Uh, Luke, we could throw around a lot of names, and, and we have been using that hashtag, Holy Hammer, Hammer of the Month at Money Lion on Twitter, at Money Lion Inc. on Instagram. But, dude, when you look at this month, this is, there are a lot of nominees across the board. I mean, I could just say, you know, Taporia and be done with it if I wanted to, right, Luke? But I then mean, I got Roman Delize looking at me sideways. You know what I mean? What Roman am I going to do? Roman Delize had a fucking hell of a month. Uh, that win over Hermanson was one for the history books, and that's the beauty of it and brutality of it. But you're right, Ilya Tapora, Taporia, excuse me. Did a great job. We can't include him because he was a main event guy, but a guy like Frank Martin would be in the spirit of this kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I see you, Billy a lot Q. Of directions you could go. I see that dog in you, all right? So, you know? again, moneylion.com slash morning combat for more information. Use that hashtag, hammer of the month. You can go to moneylion on Twitter. You can tag him at moneylion. And then on Instagram, moneylion inc. Let us know. Let them know who do you think deserves the award. Who do you think should be on that list? And the Hall of Hammers. Vote, folks. Vote. Moneyline.com slash Morning Combat to learn more on how to enter. Yeah. Well, I hope we left room for Rocco in that Hall of Hammers, Luke. So, Freddie? Wow. 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 Let's talk about Antonio Redthony Rocco Martin. Oh, Luke. worried okay, he yeah, hasn't fought in a while? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah that, that's who I was talking about. I was making it MMA related. You're like, adult films? Wow. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Hey, Luke, you know, we offer people an email address doesn't reach us though it reaches our cbs sports uh producer mikey mormile the guy the man and uh what we offer you is friday you can dead wrong us i'm sure you will but on wednesdays you know you make artwork you take pictures of yourself on vacation when you brought mk with you and we appreciate that it's your chance i mean some people don't like it maybe they're just not creative the paquettes seem to love it this segment's called fan submissions you've got i love this segment viewers We've got mail. Yes. Yes. We've got a lot of mail. A lot of males in this clientele here, Luke Thomas. Uh, shout out to those females, though. A couple of times, though, they've had to check us and be like, you know. I will say this. In 2023, we need to make a better effort uh, if uh, RJ Dunkel Gangbang, RJ Dunkel Bang Bus is watching. We need to make a better effort at um, getting some women's merch on the. On Ooh, the on like the good women's merch. Like, not yeah, just yeah, yeah. Like, like some yeah. quality you know, merch designed for women because they've been complaining and it's a fair complaint. So we got to do it. 
Like MK yoga pants. Hey, right? Right, Luke? Don't even get me started on what those would look like. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It just became a big seller in Latin American communities. It's great. You know, it's BBL season, Luke. It is upon us. Okay. Hey, let's get a first submission from Ryan. He says, greetings to the King of Connecticut and the Don of Donks from Bogota, Colombia here. Hey. Like Luke. Like Luke, not only are we based in the DMV, for us it's Alexandria, but my wife is from Bogota also, so we come back here to visit a lot. It was my sixth time visiting, and Luke is right. The cheeseburgers here are insane. Unfortunately, the pizza is vile. Usually we eat more traditional Colombian food, but every time I've made the mistake of ordering a pizza, my subconscious ends up telling me what BC thinks when he interrupts Luke trying to complete a single thought, which is, I can't let you finish that. Anyway, wow. Anyway, this is a picture of us at Monserrate. Monserrate, see. With him wearing uh, his favorite RJ Knuckle Blaster original. Keep up the amazing show. Wow, very nice to meet Ryan and, and his uh, his beautiful woman from Bogota, Luke. By the way, she's wearing the same shoes my wife wears. That's funny. Uh, yeah, so this is this is actually not the best view from this. But this is the one that's, uh, Monserrate is uh, like really, really, really high up there. You have to take like a funicular, like a cable car to get to the top of it. And you can see all of Bogota. And for folks who don't understand, Bogota is 10 million people. It's a gigantic city. And then from this spot in the mountains, you can actually see the whole thing. It's beautiful. There's a church at the top. Um, yeah, it's, it's epic. It's epic. Look, that's would, cool as shit, man. I got to show this to my wife. She's going to love this. Would you ever thought our stupid show would cross, you know, continents like this? And, you know, I mean, Don Paquette's taking the MK all around the globe lately. Look at this guy going to, going to Columbia. Remarkable. And by the way, I've never, it's funny enough. I don't think I've ever had pizza in Colombia. I don't think I've ever tried. Yeah, I wouldn't um, think it's good. I mean, pizza in Florida is a debacle. Just a straight, absolute is it, is debacle. It bad? I don't think I've had pizza in Florida either. Oh, God, uh, it's the worst, you know? Although I've done damage at a CeCe's pizza, like the $4 buffet. I've, I mean, I've done okay, some serious. Those are just, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, they, those are filled with the jack sauce. If yeah, that, that's saying. the like, Cumberland those. Farms of pizza joints, you know? Although I've also torn up Cumberland Farms pizza, but that's probably where I'm, that's BC, why I'm next where I'm time, at. Next time we're in Miami, we have to go to, uh, um, they, they they have them in they have them all over Colombia, but they have a one or two of them in Miami. And I've told you about this place before, El Corral. That's their burger joint there. Now I don't know how good the ones are in Miami because I went to one in Cartagena and it was not good, which was very unusual. So we'll have to see. But we should have, we, we have to give that a try. The burger yeah, joint need, of Colombia. I'll I'll pause my uh, trying to save my liver to, to eat that. Uh, Luke, do you, would you ever thought MK would become like the flat Stanley for people? You know, it's like they just they take us with uh, with them wherever they go in life. Pretty great, I have to admit. I'm going to show this to my wife. She's going to love this. Yeah, hey, the next one comes from Peter. He says, hey, guys, I'm a huge fan, but here's a picture from my trip to Mexico. I was down there for my sister's wedding in Jalisco, the home of tequila, and, of course, I had to spread the good word of MK by rocking my hoodie. And, yes, BC, I was starting to feel these margaritas. It was a great week full of partying, family, good times, and all the BBLs I could handle. Keep up the great work guys until t until next time salute it's peter yeah man this, this guy looks kind of manly too look right i mean could i mean hey you need a little bit more bloody mary guy jesus christ wow. look at that thing that's uh that's something right there but you know he's rocking the hat and the and the hoodie that's that's a professional beard he's got there dude i wonder emotionally that's a, that's what is he hiding? six beard if I've what ever is he hiding that. emotionally underneath that that you know what i mean luke we're starting to unpeel your onion a little bit right it's, it's the smell is gnarly always makes me cry it's great all right luke let's go to number three this is al he says uh somewhere in the multiverse 
Luke, what is going on here? What 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 planet are we on, Luke? <laughs> Dude, planet failure. I mean, <laughs> hey, comeback corner. It's in the. It's that's oh, the podcast. I didn't even that... notice that. That's so fun. Dude, we're never gonna let Izzy live that one down. That is great. Wow, this is like uh, f- uh you know, uh, what's that movie, Luke? Uh, Freaky Friday, right? We switched. We switched. Dude, I look like here. the guy. Look, at, blow up that picture again. In this picture. I got to tell you, which is not far removed from how I actually look, except for like the hair dye. I look like a guy who manages a Kinko's. I mean, just the worst human on earth. Luke, that's that's what you could look like if you actually try to fight the age curve, Luke. I know Father Time's undefeated, but you could keep him off your porch for a for a bit, okay? You know what I mean? No. I'm going to let All the right. gray eat, eat it. Just going to let the gray have it. I mean, do I? how much more white trash do I look on the left vaping, Luke, as opposed to normal? I know, and you got the books behind you too, which is the best part. That is funny. Yeah, this is this is this is this is well done material. All I have right. to say, uh, we got Joth Josh sliding in from Perth, Western Australia. He missed out on tickets, by the way, to both two twenty one and two eighty four, but he says Luke wins drug war, BC wins hot dog war, morning combat wins podcast award. <laughs> Keep up the good work, and by virtue of this being the best MMA podcast in the world, have a margarita to celebrate. Luke, what does Josh's meme say? I'm joining the war on drugs, <laughs> dot, 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 on the side of the drugs. Yes. 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 Thor, love yes. and thunder to that with the money line hammer in his hand. I love That's it. That's right. He's got the he's got the hammer of the month. Indeed, right there. Let's go over to at Natch Rubel. Knock Rubel? I don't know. Uh, Morning Wombat is his photo. Okay, it's a little disturbing. Um, lots of vaping going on. Once again, the biggest gift of this show ever. <laughs> Look at the guy in the right. He looks good in that drug rug, Luke. This is this is this is a morning wombat. Yeah, that's uh, you know I, I I could pop for that. You know, Dude, come on. You know you what? Know? Here's the thing. How high was this motherfucker when he did this? You know what I mean? He must have ripped all of uh, every bong in America he hit before he made this. Yeah, this is the only yeah, kind of, This is the this is exactly what you make when you're too high to think more clearly. You know? Yeah. Would you say like, okay, first of all, if I asked you what percentage of our audience on our MK audience gets high, you're probably like legitimately seventy percent, right? Seventy seventy five percent, easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, how many of them on like a nightly basis get like talk to aliens high, like that level? You know what I mean? 71, 72%. I mean, <laughs> it's up there. Like, not even just like, I want to chill out, you know, lay back. They're like, yeah, no, yeah. I want to, I want to, yeah, yeah. I want to consult no. with my dead relatives that high, that level high. Okay, great. Uh, Danger Mouse is back, Luke. He says, hi, BC. First, allow me to take a moment to recognize the truly magnificent job you did on Friday when Luke was late. That was actually Monday, right? That, yeah, was, that was, that was it Monday, yeah. 10 to 15 minutes of goddamn art, he says. It wasn't the show of the year but it's almost certainly the best introduction maybe ever. Before we get to my own art, BC, I'd like you to do this donk a favor and ask people to follow at Danger Mouse Art on Twitter. I just need right, 50 followers. just sort followers. of chilling for subs here. All right. Okay. I was just going to send in some Christmas stuff this week and leave you both alone, but I won't respect myself in the morning if I don't take a shot at the late, late Luke Thomas. Oh, and BC, all of the images this week were drawn with the assistance of an AI... <laughs> Uh, there's Luke in a uh, in a bunny costume. You're late for an important date, Luke. Uh, these final two are just Christmas cards that I tried to tailor to your tastes. I'd just like to take this moment to wish you both and the MK crew a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for a great year. 
except Appleton. Fuck that guy. <laughs> LOL, are, I'm joking. Um, these it's are disturbing. Da- it's Danger Mouse. Um, why? What's going on here, Luke? What do you got? What do you got They're for just me? Re- Did an AI guy, AI machine, or AI engine make these? Like, what happened here? I don't, he says it was they were AI produced, Luke. See, this is what happens when you give robots the key to the car, Luke. Don't do it. I know you're going to be one of those first first in your neighborhood to have all the cool technology, but then suddenly, Luke, you know they control you. They don't just watch you; they tell control you, you. You know they haven't figured it out yet, but I will tell you that long term, I am confident that uh, robots and uh, computers will be able to drive cars better than primates. I'm just I'm going to make that bet. So. <laughs> All right. How about the state of Florida just becomes public transportation, Luke, and no one is allowed to drive? I mean, have you ever driven on I-95 in Florida? Uh, Daniel Snyder's kid and I were talking about that the other day in the office, Luke. It's awful. It's a, it's awful. It's a different world over there. Uh, let's go to Matt. He says, to help get the MK boys in the holiday spirit, here are three Christmas movie posters reimagined for MK. Side note, I've managed to bag two front row tickets for me and my beautiful girlfriend at the live show in London, so it's confirmed there will be at least one female in the audience. Happy Christmas to everyone at MK from Matt and Kelly in England. Oh, no, <laughs> Dude, these are great. Uh, Luke, Matt and Kelly got the Gallagher seats, RIP, but like they may get hit with the crushed, with the smashed watermelons. They're, they're sitting front row. Oh, you wanted front row? We should dice clay them, right? Wow, look at this one. Can't stay hard. Unbelievable. <laughs> that is magic. Look at that one. Yeah, you know. Well, if, you, gotta, if, you gotta hang that one in the office. Your wife would I, love it. Yeah, yeah. We, we still, we got all those great web screen ones framed in the office. We moved those for the RSD set. We've got to get, you know, we should line that hallway. Because look, that that hallway is becoming an un, an unlockable character in our universe. I mean, you know, you you zooming in through there from the street, running. I, that was that was high theater but yeah this what was a great to the, what happened to the famous poster of the guys whose dicks were touching at the weigh-in i don't know where that went somebody take that home i don't know where it went to be fair oh i, I know don't... someone who took that home not me not me i have i have the internet as you would say luke okay i don't need that in my life but uh yeah uh there we go matt and kelly from england luke um how many what do you think okay let's say we it's a 500 seat venue let's say we sell it out i mean we're doing pretty damn good we're on a pace to to to, to rock this town luke uh, how many will be females of the 500? 5%. 10% because if you go by... 10% because if you go by what we saw at the Vegas show is the guys will bring their girls with them. Like, yeah. here, here's the question. How many women are buying tickets or being or not being dragged to this by their male counterpart. That's the question. And that answer is like two people, honestly. Like, like on a bondage level. Yeah, there, there you go. Um... I, yeah yeah if i had a good one i had a good one luke in the in the holster but it uh yeah all right let's keep it going here uh jp time speaking of uh you know regular in these parts it's mount unike nova scotia's own uh good day mk nation we have a breaking news as it pertains to the main event of ufc 283 in brazil let's go to the videotape Good day, MK Nation superfan Jay Paquette, a.k.a. JP, coming to you from beautiful Mount Unike, Nova Scotia, Canada. We have breaking news as it pertains to UFC 283. Newly crammed middleweight champion Alex Pereira, in his very first title defense, will take on, no, not Izzy in the rematch, and not even the rumored Shamayev. Rather, the one and the only Chewbacca. <laughs> 
Tui was an alternate at the UFC 281 match. Seen here all sucked in on the scales, and yes, vaping like a Luke Thomas dirty old washed hole bag. <laughs> Although in related news, Chewie has selected Team MK to help train and corner him for the fight, including uh, Showtime bo amateur boxing specialist Courtney May and producers extraordinaire Mikey Mormile and Gaff LaPierre. <laughs> When we, when we took to Luke and BC for comments, this is what they had to say. Fucking Chewbacca. Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca's like, where? Let's fucking <laughs> go. Let's fucking go. Chewbacca let's was loyal as shit, let's, though. Dude, I, I'm telling you, man. Can you imagine having a friend like that? Be like, dude, Chewbacca will fuck <laughs> this guy up. Plus, he drinks, you know? Chewbacca. Chewie's already started making the PR rounds. Seen here, being interviewed by Laura Sanko. <laughs> And of course, on the RSD couch with our MK gents, Luke and BC. And BC, I gotta say, spitting up, really? I mean, I don't know, factory town aside, I would have taken you for more of a swallow type of guy. <laughs> oh, wait a sec, we have an incoming a DM from a donk. It's at Don underscore Uniac underscore Boss Lady. And she says, or writes, UFC 283, Chewbacca versus Pereira. Who wins and how? Well, Luke and BC, I'm going to send that one over to you. And as we know, folks, may all of our games be loyal. And two words, uh, actually, no, three words. Chewy, let's bang! <laughs> oh, that's tremendous, Luke. That's incredible. Hold on. Uh, I gotta say, that's one of the best fan subs I've ever seen. But here's the problem with it. One, I mean, Chewie's been, you know, he's got his winter coat on. He ain't making middleweight, number one. That's the first problem. Second problem is, Chewie would rip Pereira's arms off and beat him to death with it. Let's just be very clear about that. Chewie is the motherfucker <laughs> of all motherfuckers. And then he's gonna go and take everyone's wife and bang him in front of him. I mean, that's what Chewie does. Slanging that Chewbacca D. Uh, Luke, does uh, Jay Paquette's efforts... Uh, which uh, were, you know, they were ambitious. Does it hit the mark? It's up to, you know, it's up to the voters in their hearts here, Luke. Does this alter at all what's going down to the wire, like literally down to the final days and seconds in the race for Donk of the Year for 2022? I'll let Chewie speak for me. Yo, I want to go see, I want to go see Dune with Delta 8s in my Wookiee tummy with Brian Campbell. S O D. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> Can we this use stupid, it more? In this the is show? the stupidest show in America. Let's be very clear about that. Uh, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, Alan W. Sliding in. We've all been waiting for TRT Luke Thomas. Look at the possibilities. Luke God of War Thomas and scrawny Brian Campbell. Get on it. Yeah, I'll never look that good. Let's just be honest about that too. You kind of look like Mikey in this in this meme, right? Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> I look rather handsome in the background there. Yeah, not fair. bad. You look like an elf who can sling the arrows. Uh, not much else. 
Oh, they know I can sling something, Luke. They know that. All right. They know that. And towns like Deadwood and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember yeah. that hellacious fart you let go when Courtney walked into the room on Monday? That was not me man. for the record there. But uh, how about uh, JP using government names in that video? I think he's going to get a cease and desist from uh, a few of our employees, right? Uh, right. What's the, uh, is there anything else from Alan W here? No, one photo. Okay, thank you for playing. Uh, Appy is going to close us off. Let me read this before we oh, throw Jesus to this. Christ. This is David Appleton of France. We know this guy, one of the up and coming, you know, leading educators, and you know he molds minds of the youths, Luke. Okay, he molds them like, uh, like clay. Like you ever see ghosts when they sat, like you know, behind they like you know they spoon the other on the on the wheel. Luke, that's kind of what he does to his students. He says, uh, "Fresh off your success at the World MMA Awards, I wanted to pay homage to you." While at the same time sealing the deal for Donk of the Year. So here is a little song I came up with. I enclosed the lyrics below in case my Franco-British accent is too much for BC's Connecticut English. I'm free to pick up my award whenever you announce it and have already prepared the world's best victory speech. Well done on the award. Thoroughly undeserved, but very happy for you. Appy. So, Luke, before we throw to this, this is David Appleton. I guess, you know, bottom of the ninth here. Or you know, twelfth championship round here, basically trying to put uh, put Jay Paquette and others away here. This is his this is his called shot, Babe Ruth thirty two World Series. Let's see what he's got. Morning combat. You've been winning lots of prizes, but it's not really surprising as you begged us to vote. You got your fan base. Which is 1% female We set up 50 fucking email accounts So you could beat Ariel and Joe Brian Campbell You pathetic washed owner Three needles took away your phoner And you lost your razzmatazz So come on BC, where's your BDE? I've got to tell you verbatim you got to stop musical masturbating Over shitty 70s jazz At least when Luke gets in the mood It's for big booty Latinas Our two girls, one cup When no one else is around but Brian has to tell the guests about the current state of his wiener Especially when they weigh 115 pounds Luke and Brian, you guys ain't getting no younger BC's got gas station hunger and he's obsessed with Joanna And Luke Thomas, he can drink more than 50 fucking beers, you know But he's not such a hero After three margaritas When you get the two in studio There's magic in the air Their loyal ad games Help keep the show alive And when it comes to Psycho MK fans Neither of them really care why not give these upstanding citizens a dodgy loan to invade Scotland with top quality knives? Luke and Brian, 
you're my reason for living You favored me like Thanksgiving You told me four times but I'm still not tired Become December I'm the dog to remember You gotta get me a victory interview BC, you gotta let Luke Thomas touch you Need Keith Hackney to cut, punch me in the balls for this note You gotta let that big bastard hug you Before you both get fired <laughs> Oh my wow. god, wow! I gotta say Jay Paquette, I, I don't know. I mean, that was tough competition. I mean, do you remember when Vince Carter led off the uh, the 2000 NBA dunk contest and like Isaiah Thomas jumped out of the judges' chair and Kenny Smith was like, "It's over," and uh, you know Vince Carter's like, "It's over." I mean, Luke, that's a that's a powerful statement. He just went all in and and he had the full boat, Luke. He did. He did. Wow. That was uh, that was excellent. That was excellent. I really can't even say anything bad about that. By the way, dude, the vaping. I mean, I, I mean, the 2022 joke was vaping, right? Like getting killed for vaping. That really yeah. was it. And then one day you'll get killed for that. vaping. Yeah, literally, because it'll catch up to you, Luke. But dude, is that that's like a major major MK moment? Like you do remember, of course. Uh, uh, Callie, remember that guy, the drummer? He gave us the Luke and BC mm-hmm. make it look easy song. And you remember uh, Damo uh, from England um, who wrote us the uh, the song that ended d- documentary too. You remember that one, Luke, right? Ricky Martin? No, I don't. Oh. Really just creative milestone in our history. But, I mean, look at this song. We had that guy rap for us that time, Luke? The guy from Georgia? I mean, what? This is... Yep. Wow. Wow, Appy. Wow, is that all the? Uh, yeah, that's all of it. Okay, it's you know uh, that. BC, I, we we we've been going two hours on a day where there's nothing to talk about. We should probably well, wrap it up. I, you know, I didn't think David Appleton and, and Jay Paquette and the others were just gonna. I mean, dude, people are coming out throwing bombs as if they get a chance to win a Dana White Contender Series contract if they if one lands. Like they're calling for it, Luke. They have slapdick mentality here. Okay, they're go no defense, all in, all in. Wow. I got to say, that was that was a very good batch of fan subs. I loved today's batch. That was really, 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 really well done. All really right. Well done. There you go. Uh, Luke, don't right, forget well, Aaron Blanchfield tomorrow, 11 a.m., yes. okay? Aaron Blanchfield right back here, youtube.com slash morning combat. A RSD will premiere. We'll talk about the fight with Tyler Santos, but a whole lot of other stuff. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, well, we will have a Christmas mailbag on Friday and a show for you on Monday. So we're just, I mean, we're burning the midnight oil here, folks. Yeah. We got you covered. The show doesn't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. So stick around. MK got plenty of stuff for you before the end of the year, including the rest of this week and the beginning of next. Of course, morningcombat at gmail.com to reach the show for all the different things you need to reach the show for. Uh, morningcombat.store to get all of the merch that is available. Uh, and then Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. And then first six months thereafter, $3.99 a month. One more time, pod-live.com for tickets. London, February 8th. Get them while you can. We haven't even announced special guests yet. Tickets are moving. It is time to get them, U- UK. Get yeah. them now, get them now, get them now, get them now. There's the QR code. Come see us in London. What's, yeah, Patty's, what's Patty's rate? for a? We should ask Ariel, Luke, right? 
What are we? I mean, I just you doing you doing bit skits and bits now. We're doing skits and bits. That's what this show is. It's just one long bit. It's just really. It's just one. It's 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 not even broken up anymore into docs. It's a living documentary, Luke. Of you see, I just want to point out. You talk shit about my man bag. Yeah. I want to point out. Look who's got a man bag. <laughs> that's a great point. Wow, that's Chewbacca. a. I mean, he's got Chewbacca bullets got on bag. it though. He does have bullets on. He it. does. He's got. Yeah. You know, he's loaded. He's loaded. Dude, I do. I show this to Tuki, and she she runs out of the room. Yeah. She hates yeah. It. What do you think he carries in that man? See, I gotta, I gotta piss my pants. Look, I'm done. The show's over. Condoms. You gotta take it. Condoms right. is the answer. Uh, <laughs> hey, hap, uh, happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all that good stuff. Whatever you celebrate, be safe. Don't text and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't do anything stupid. Have a good holidays. Come back and see us next week. RSD tomorrow. MK on Friday. MK on Monday. We got you covered. So I think that's it for Malka. For and by the way. Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of the Malka staff, to the CBS Sports staff, and to the Showtime staff. Everyone who makes this show possible, thank you so much. Be safe and happy with your loved ones over the holidays. So for Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.